0: Hello and welcome to The Great Movie Show. I'm Adam, your host for this episode. I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Lloyd and Dave. Hello. This week's episode is entitled Back Off Man, I'm a Scientist, because we're, of course, looking at Ghostbusters. And to clarify, we're looking at Ghostbusters from 1984, not the 2016 film of the same name. To add more confusion, we can't refer to the first movie as the real Ghostbusters, as that was a successful spin-off, which ran over seven seasons from 1986. Ironically, they had to add the real part following a dispute with Formation, who produced coincidentally in 1986 an animated series called Ghostbusters, which they were allowed to do, as it was based on their 1975 live-action television show, The Ghostbusters. So to be clear, Ghostbusters is not to be confused with the remake Ghostbusters, the animated series Ghostbusters, the renamed animated series Ghostbusters, the TV show The Ghostbusters, or the animated The Real Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was a 1984 hit grossing more than $225 million at the box office in the US alone. It reached that rare feat of being a commercially successful comedy, a cult classic, and nominated for an Oscar. Well, two, actually. Ghostbusters brought together the talents of Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Bill Murray under the tutelage of Iron Reitman. It spawned a commercially successful sequel, imaginatively titled Ghostbusters 2, in 1989, and rumours of a third movie began Circling around board studio lots and Hollywood cafes for years, but never materialized. The closest it came to being realized appears to be in 1999, a purchase by IGN of a script for Ghostbusters 3: Hellbent, although nothing came to pass. The sad death of Harold Ramis on the 24th February 2014 appeared to lay rest that notion. However, there was a 2016 remake, and of course we're now waiting for the Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman to release his Ghostbusters Afterlife, with a story that poignantly appears to focus on the loss of Ramus's character Egon, and also stars the never-aging Paul Rudd, along with child superstars Finn Wolfhart and McKenna Grace. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Dave, are you excited as I am about uh, doing uh, Ghostbusters? As excited I can, as I was last week doing I hardly contain
1: myself, but, but I'll try.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> No more excitement. <laughs> it.
1: It'll come out in due course.
2: What's going on? Has Adam got glitchy Wi-Fi again? I don't know. Keep some dropping out. This you is why we it? have a technical rehearsal half an hour before <laughs> recording. Every week. Every you week don't turn up to Adam, inspection. and then you spend the first half an hour recording <laughs> trying to tweak your microphone that you don't know how to turn on. <laughs> Oh am back. back. Oh there you are. Mm-hmm. you've been tidying the garage. <laughs> no, I've just been putting oh, on an outfit. <laughs> <laughs> You're a ghost person. <laughs> Very nice. Where's he gone?
0: <laughs> Think I've been nobbled by ghosts.
1: <laughs> like Ray was. <laughs>
0: no that is
2: that Depends what do no. you do by nobody.
0: <laughs> what I thought I'd start with is to uh, to ask Dave um, if you had to describe the plot in approximately thirty seconds, what would you say?
1: Um, it's movie about three um, failed academics getting kicked out of university, going to business for themselves, uh, catching ghosts, which just happens to coincide with a huge kind of surge in paranormal activity in New York City, uh, and they end up saving the world. Um,
0: it's interesting, like talking about doing a, a synopsis or a, a plot description in 30 seconds and then expanding upon it. Apparently, Ivan Reitman had a good relationship with Columbia Pictures executives because of Stripes, which he had directed previously. And apparently he said to, uh, I think it was studio head, Frank Price, um, ghost janitors in New York. That was it. That was his entire pitch. Yeah. Um, and uh, Price was intrigued and decided to to run with it and, and start marketing it. In fact, I think, um, adjusted for inflation, it might still be Columbia Pictures' most commercially successful film of all time. When we talk about um, the plot and what works and what doesn't, I'm sure there's probably some gaffes that we can deal with in some ways, but Lloyd, what would be your favourite scene or favourite moment? Or there are there too many to, to choose from? Um,
2: my favourite moment is repeated a number of times, and it makes me laugh every single time. And it's whenever Lewis Tully comes out of his room, comes out of his apartment <laughs> to, to accost Dana, Dana Barrett, and he just turns around every time, even when he's got the party going on, and he's locked out his apartment, and it happens about three, four times, and every time it's brilliant. They are my favourite yeah. parts of the movie, I've, I'd say.
0: I, I've watched it a couple of times over the past couple of days, and exactly the same thing. I am... Um, <laughs> I've I've laughed out loud each time that it's happened even though you know it's coming you're just like come on go to the door go to the door <laughs> how about you Dave?
1: Uh, well yeah Lewis Tully's always up there um, another Lewis Tully moment when the when the um, the terror dog breaks out the cupboard door and he goes okay who brought the dog Well just before actually when it growls yeah. uh, also you know loads of Venkman one-liners uh, I like the bit in the ballroom you know where he, where he uh, whips the tablecloth off. He says, yeah. I've always wanted to do this. The flowers are still standing. <laughs> just loads of yeah. little, little bits. So apparently, he, he basically ad-libbed um, a lot of his dialogue, if I understand. Or he did multiple takes. Yeah. He'll have the scripted version, and then he'll do a couple of extra takes and just come out with, with other stuff. Quite a lot of the iconic stuff was ad-libbed, I believe.
0: Apparently, that was the, that was true kind of across the board, that everybody had a moment or many moments of, of not really sticking to the script. What I love is, whether it's true I don't know, the whole scene with um, Lewis when he's go- walking through the room um, when he's talking about the salmon, getting it from Nova Scotia and how he got a, yeah, a discount. Yeah. Apparently that was all unscripted. Yeah, improvised I, all. I can't imagine somebody yeah. making something like that up but it yeah. just was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> he's talking about having to get a, a, a tax write-off for his salmon and just yeah. inviting business clients
1: rather than friends. Absolutely this is Ted, Ted Annette. Ted's Ted's yeah. got a, car- a carpet cleaning company in receivership. That's yes. yeah. drawing a bonus from from drawing a pendulum from a deferred bonus two years ago or something like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. So um, it. one of the, one of the things I did um, some time ago is I, I started writing. Um, well, I, I thought about writing a, a blog about um, Ghostbusters because I was so interested. I didn't really get very far apart from looking at all you know the background to the. the the actors before they arrived at, or the director before he arrived at Ghostbusters. And it does seem like Ghostbusters were kind of a a perfect moment for certain people to all come together. Uh, So you obviously got the Saturday night live kind of connection um, between a number of the, uh, the actors. Um, You think about Dan Aykroyd and, and Bill Murray, they actually hadn't shared any screen time in a movie together before Ghostbusters. Um, they had been in two films at the same time as each other, but just in different scenes. There's one that you might want to find. If you'd, I think you might be able to find it on YouTube. The, um, there's a film called The Rootals. All you need is cash. Uh,
3: oh, the Beatles it's an, rip-off.
0: Yeah, it's a Beatles rip-off. Yeah. Uh, Eric Idle, I think 1978 yeah. or 79. And um, I think Bill Murray plays Murray the K, a disc jockey. He's only in it for right. like 30, 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um and um and Dan Aykroyd's in it as well. I think he plays a manager. Um rumour has it that I think um they, they gave a copy to John Lennon and he didn't want to give it back. Um but it it kind of completely bombed. Um although it is quote it is said to have been um inspiration for um This is Spinal Tap, I think. So, you know, fair play to Eric Idle if that if that's what then was spawned. Um so yeah, they 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 didn't spend any time together and they, they did their own separate projects. And you've got, I think, the Blues Brothers, something with um, John Belushi. And we could talk about John Belushi maybe in a in a bit. Um, yeah. And also you have quite a few good films leading to Bill Murray being in Ghostbusters. I like all his films. Um, you've got, uh, I think, Meatballs to start with, which was Ivan Reitman. I think Harold Ramis, Reitman, yeah. Ramis might have. Yeah. I think Ramis might have written that, helped write that as well. Um, then you've got, I think, Caddyshack might have been before, it was around that time, but Stripes definitely was Harold Ramis and and um, yeah. Bill Murray, and that was Ivan Reitman, I think, as well. Um, so didn't, it was, wasn't
2: Harold Ramis. Didn't Harold Ramis direct Caddyshack? Who did Caddyshack?
0: I think so. actually, do you know? I think you might be right about um, Ramis. That there, there was rumors on set, weren't there, about um, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray didn't get on from their their time in Saturday Night Live, but. They wrote some really classic pieces together. I, I love Caddyshack because I just love the au revoir Gopher and the the stupidity yeah. of Murray's character.
2: I, I think he did because he. It's just coming my, in my mind. Yeah, um, just joking. Harold Ramis. And your and Chevy Chase, European Vacation. Harold Ramis directed that.
1: Yeah, I did he? I didn't realise that. Yeah, I loved that movie so much. But but that's it. That's the
0: great thing, isn't it? That originally Dan Aykroyd had this idea and this kernel of an idea developed Uh, i don't know if you you read about what his original idea was apparently it was ghostbusters in in the future and there were loads of ghostbusters that's why they had the kind of the fire station idea so there were going to be loads of different um organizations that were fighting ghosts in the future Uh, and the the director thought that it would cost maybe 300 million then (laughs) to make the film that that Dan Ackroyd wanted to make, so they did a lot of changes and they, they, they sort of scaled it down. Um, but it, it to me, it, it, it's amazing that you think of who was originally teed up to do the film and then who ends up doing it. So Bill Murray was never even meant to be in it, was he?
1: No, it was, um, it was written by... Obviously, it was written by Dan Ackroyd with John Belushi in mind, but it was also written with Eddie Murphy in mind. But Eddie Murphy turned down Ghostbusters to do Beverly Hills Cop. And obviously, because John Belushi died, I think people always think that Bill Murray replaced John Belushi, but Bill Murray technically replaced Eddie Murphy, I think. But then Harold Ramis came in because he was never originally meant to be one of the Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah, uh, Harold Ramis decided that it, it would be best if he was Egon. Yeah, He thought, I can do this. He decided his main... Um, selling point was he wasn't going to smile at any point during the movie regardless yeah, of what yeah. was said yeah. and I think the if you read anything from Ernie Hudson his interviews and the like he seems to be suggesting that or, or by implication that perhaps um, the role when it was given to him was scaled right down from what it was yeah. always intended to be so I think at yeah. some point Eddie Murphy was meant to be the, the Zedmore character and they scaled it all back. Although there's some confusion, depending on what you read. Some people say it was supposed mm. to be the Bankman character, some people say yeah. he's meant to be the Zed Moore character. Uh John Belushi was supposed to be Bankman um at one point. Yeah. And that would have been a, you know reprising the the Blues Brothers kind of relationship that he had with Dan Aykroyd. I think was it last week, last episode that I talked about Slimer? Or was it even the the episode before that? Uh that they they wanted Slimer to have a look of um John Belushi, to have almost literally his spirit in the film. Yeah. And the scene where he's eating all of the, uh, the food from the, the plates, that's supposed mm. to replicate, I think, Animal House, John Belushi and Animal House. Yeah. Yeah. So all of the tie-ins to get to the point where everyone was in the same place in 1984 doing the film, I think, it just worked so well.
1: I saw, I saw an interview with the actual special effects, guy that designed the Slimer puppet, And and this is what he says. He says it was the night before the studio executives were coming down to choose which one they wanted in the movie. He had 12 different Slimers that he designed. I don't know why I held three things up when I'm saying 12. (laughs) 12. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets a phone call the night before saying, we want Slimer to look like John Belushi. So obviously he panics. He's like, the night before, you're telling me this. So this is the way the story goes. The studio executives come down the next day. They say, I can't believe what a good job you've done. And they choose the Slimer. And he says, I literally did nothing to it. I didn't change it. It just happened that one of them looked a bit like John Belushi. <laughs> and that's the only joke. Yeah, so, I you know, that. the myth or, or, the, or, the, or, the, or the headline, which one do you go for? Is that right? Mm-hmm.
0: I think the the most unusual casting change is that they were talking to John Candy, weren't they, originally, to be Lewis? Lewis yeah. And that was in German. Of, accent. Well, and he have, wants to do it and have two dogs. Was it? Yeah, think, as well. <laughs> you
1: know, like we've got enough dogs in this movie already.
0: <laughs> and and they ju- they just didn't think it would work. I think obviously they'd enjoyed working say, because Ramus and Candy and Marie had worked together on Stripes, so they probably thought that would work as a dynamic. And it would, probably would have worked. But I think Rick Moranis is. I'm going to go back to the usual Lloyd of talking about my minor characters, but. <laughs> I think he steals every scene he's in, even though he's 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 supposed to be like an incidental character, isn't he? There's 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 a scene where
2: where Dana's come back to her apartment and she's she's sneaking past Lewis's apartment. And he pops, she's tiptoeing and He still hears her <laughs> and comes out, yeah. but she's got a little smirk on her face as if uh, was yeah. someone today about this as if they'd redone the scene so much because she can't contain her laughter. And all yeah, the way yeah. through, him coming out and asking, her, she's like, Oh, no, I've got a date tonight. He's like, Oh, you got a date? Like that. <laughs> yeah, she's still, it looks like she's just fighting a laugh, fighting laughter, and then even when he's he's moving away and he's still talking to her because he always talks to her doesn't he as she walks off and then she's moved you know okay you can bring him along too it's it's as if like the done that she just keeps on breaking down till after every time and it's just I think it's just Moranis's performance he's just he's brewing it. he does exactly what he's supposed to do and he's I don't even think he's a minor character I think he's I'd say he's more prominent than Winston in the end who's actual Ghostbuster in terms of the characters um in the film, I think I think his character is is far more in the uh, in the main um, leading characters than, than certainly a supporting actor.
0: Yeah, it's it, him and Dana, I suppose, and and Winston. They they all are kind of somewhere between being a main a main character and a minor character, aren't they? So the focus really is on on the the, the first three because they're the first ones that we see, and it sets it all up. And then they bring on these others, and then they've got you know Annie Potts playing. Um, a brilliant role as well, haven't they? Um, as uh, Janine, um, so there's a lot, and, and then and then William Atherton as well as uh, as Dave's favorite character,
2: yeah, Pencil Neck.
0: <laughs> I think he goes That's by not, a number yeah. of names <laughs>
1: during it's, the
2: movie. It, it's, the, it's the copper, it's like the, the um, the high ranking police officer he brings with him to the uh, firehouse that calls him Pencil Neck. You do and your it. job, Pencil Neck, and I'll do mine. <laughs> yeah. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant.
0: I, I I wanted to talk specifically about Bill Murray. Lloyd's tried to get me to uh, watch a number of Wes Anderson films over the years, like the especially the The Life Aquatic with uh, uh, Steve Zissou, and that. Uh, it's not. I don't know what it is about his direction, and there'd be a lot of people, I'm sure, that ab- object yeah, to, I, to my view. I, of I won't
2: watch. I won't watch. I haven't watched any really of his other ones because I can't really watch them. But The Life Aquatic, I got into it, and it it won me over.
0: Well, I, I like Rushmore. That's probably the exception that uh, Jason Schwartzman oh, yeah. and, and yeah. Bill Murray is, is <laughs> in it. Um, but I've never really got into Life Aquatic. But I, I love Bill Murray in everything I've seen him in, so I should really embrace those sorts of films. Um, but the, the the role that he has is just all about subtlety and understatement, and then all of a sudden it's outrageous. So he says things all that are all, you know gentle, subtle comedy moments, and then there's something out- outrageous he says to to Dana like you know oh and and then she made him leave or, or whatever he says yeah. you know like it she was fun to speak to you sir you know <laughs> sorry I didn't get to speak to you sir. When you think about the the iconic part of the movie, what do you what do you think of? Do you think of? a particular moment or do you think it's a selection of moments is there something that you know imagery of course we've got the 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 ghost you know we've got this that, that that's pretty strong imagery and apparently that was something that was dreamt up by Dan Ackroyd almost at the start that was one of the first things he actually thought he's almost built his whole film around that kind of idea yeah. um but is there something that you find that resonates with you as that's a that's a seminal moment of the movie or
2: but, there's there's, there's Janine, we got one. That really sort of way. If you think it goes... Do it. Do it properly. Press the button as
1: well. We got one. We got one. doodly little, doodly little, 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 the water, kicks off. Yeah. Coming down the pole. Yeah, right.
2: Like that. <laughs> Benkman coming <laughs> down, Benkman with a pen, pencil in his mouth and a pad. And an Egon, yeah. uh, Egon coming down looking terrified. <laughs>
0: I I don't think that anyone could um could do that scene like Ben Ackroyd <laughs> did. The, the, yeah. what you've just done there, Lloyd, for, for anyone listening on the podcast, like he gets off the pole and sort of leans back, puts his arms up, and sort of like disorientated, and then he goes to the door it. and then sort of does it again. I like that scene, which I think epito- there's a scene that really epitomises Peter Venkman's character. So they've just gone into the it. Biltmore for their first proper job um and they walk through the they walk through the you know the the, the doors and the first thing bill marie first thing the venkman does is he sees a, a girl a woman that's looking at him as she's walking past and he's sort of like goes fast and he's sort of smiling and then just as he finished looking at the the like the maitre d or the manager comes up from behind and
1: he's just yeah. just
0: the man coming to say hello it's terrified yeah. it's like oh 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 <laughs> but but before you know, before the scene's even ended, he's got the guy at the lift and the and the guy says, you know, who are you supposed to be? You know, and he says oh, Cos- uh, cosmonaut
2: uh, you you cosmonauts.
0: They said uh, exterminators. Cockroach he says,
1: up on there. yeah, Bite Bite your
0: head off, that must man. be one
2: hell of a cockroach problem. <laughs> Bite your head off, man.
0: Yeah. So that whole scene to me it epitomizes him, so he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's blagging the whole thing. But there's something about him, yet he still finds time to flirt, yet he's kind of tried it still being funny. He,
2: he, is, a, he is a blagger because if you think about one of the first scenes in the film, he proves his theory on negative reinforcement, um, improving ESP potential for someone. So for shocking that poor fella, trying to guess what's on the cards, a couple of wavy okay. lines... By doing the negative reinforcement and shocking him, the fella actually develops ESP because he gets the last one right. So, Peter apparently, Venker's that proved, was proved. Someone his did theory. that.
0: Apparently, a scientist did did do that. And yeah, so uh, he's, he's, it's interesting you should mention that, Lloyd, because um, <laughs> we're going to have a little game right now. I'm not sure how well this will work on the podcast. Uh, for those who are listening, I have a number of cards with um, various symbols on, and I'm going to uh, ask you to guess these.
1: You've got any chewing gum, Lloyd?
2: Okay.
0: So ah. no, uh, I'll give you some negative. I'll give you some negative reinforcement. In a little tired of <laughs> this man. <laughs> so this is what you. we're going to do, yeah. right? This is what we're going to do. Lloyd mm-hmm. is going to close his eyes because this is the only way we can do it to show whether he's right or not. So Lloyd closes his eyes. Are they closed, Lloyd? Right.
3: You can
0: see me. <laughs> okay. So the yes, choices are. This is yeah, really? This is important. This is important. The choices are wavy lines, circle.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cross. Square.
2: Or square or a plus, or a okay. star. This is making okay? really good podcast listening, by the way. So, so Lloyd, <laughs> we're going to win, a, we gonna win a bafta for this. What are we looking at? Sorry, tell tell me uh, what I'm
0: holding a up.
1: Circle or oh, square, a star. Star. Sorry, this is not your lucky day. <laughs> this is not your lucky day. <laughs> Dave, one for you. One for you. Close your eyes. Have a guess. Can't remember the choices. Um, couple of wavy a, lines. A, what
2: are the choices? Yes, yeah, a couple of wavy lines plus cross, circle, square. I, I want to go couple couple of wavy lines.
0: Dave, you can now look.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna do
0: we're gonna do one Sorry one more you. each. Phenomenon. Okay, Lloyd, we're gonna do. A do you know I went for circle?
2: Do you know I went for circle? Because I closed my eyes and I saw a circle thing, and I thought this is actually working. And I realised <laughs> it was just basically because I've got a big circle light of my lighting. <laughs> And it was just that on my retina, which I was seeing. Right. Okay. On. Here's
0: the second one. You close the eyes, right? And now have a guess. Square. Close. It, open your eyes. I opened it when the square was up. Yes. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I didn't saw you. All right, Dave. Last one for you. Last one. For Why you. are you
2: disproving this theory? Okay. Um, Whenever you're ready. Star. <laughs> <laughs>
0: two for two, Lloyd. <laughs> you were rubbish.
2: Is this because you're trying to make a date with Dave for eight o'clock, and you're just trying to like foil me, even though I was getting them right? Did I get the first one right, by the way? Did Adam No. Did you change the circle <laughs> to a star? No, you didn't. You actually—you're the only one who actually got one right. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. This whole bit's going to get cut anyway. So hey, well, it like, Thank you,
0: podcast <laughs> listeners. It was useful—useful useful for you.
2: Yeah, we tried. Um, it Didn't work. Never mind.
0: What I liked about that scene, though, is there's a couple of real subtle moments, aren't there? So there's a bit where he says, you only have uh, 75 more of these to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, paying we're paying you, you are, aren't we? Yeah, we're <laughs> paying you. And then right as he walks out, he said, you can keep your five bucks. <laughs> so he's getting electrocuted 80 times for $5. And so I just think it's brilliant. And, and even when he's just about to uh, electrocute him, he sort of goes, <laughs> the girl.
3: <laughs> Doesn't he?
0: So I was I was reading that Dan Aykroyd apparently was uh, surrounded by or um, his family members were classed as spiritualists. That his grandfather was a psychic investigator. Or, or, you're I nodding,
1: was, I think his dad was a was a published author in in the realm of parapsychology. And I recall as Sam Lloyd earlier his inspiration for Ghostbusters, besides being legitimately immersed in that kind of thing, was. He said he was sat at home. He was surrounded by this loads of copies of this journal about supernatural stuff, and it just got him yeah. thinking that you know it probably they'd probably make a good movie that topic. Um, but,
0: but yeah, that that seems to have been the the, the the inspiration for it. What do you guys think of um, looking at, looking at other actors? What do you think of Sigourney Weaver's role?
1: Um, well, I I know that I saw a documentary that when they were talking about casting, they said they were they were basically looking for someone that had good on-screen chemistry with Bill Murray. And obviously Bill Murray's famously a little bit difficult to get along with anyway. And I think that comes across in in the movie itself. He doesn't, like Lloyd said, it's a, quite a strange, it's not even a relationship, you know, between him and Dana. And then basically when they found out Sigourney Weaver was interested, they were just desperate for it to be in the movie because she was a big name. I think she was always going to get it regardless of whether they had chemistry or not. Um, well, obviously it worked
2: well, though. Yeah, definitely. Think? I think she she done She was the uh, she was the badass uh, hero from Alien, wasn't she? And so, you know, even though she's kind of the, almost the love interest, and she's the almost mm. the victim of of Zul um, menacing her and then Goza, um, she's still got that sort of strength to deal with that part of the role as well. Um, mm. And then obviously, there's a bit where Zool possesses her, where she's got to come across a certain way, which. You know, I think she's quite, she's quite a presence in she. She's quite, she, you know, she's quite tall and stuff. I think it came yeah. across pretty well. Um, and that was some sort think,
0: of uh, body cast, wasn't it? That moment that they apparently built a body cast for her, you know, when she um, raises off the bed and then twists around. Yeah. She was in like a full body cast. It was sort of less CGI and actually was more mechanical. Apparently. Oh, yeah, you can
2: see it because the whole way through, something's happening to what she's wearing as well. So she's trying to, she does that with her hands. And they make it as if it's part of like her ritual being possessed, but she's just putting down, she's pushing the dress back down over her hips because the mechanism's making the dress ride up. Yeah. You know, we watched it in
1: 4K. You start you let me you let
2: me know it was
1: on 4k in 4K. When she's going up, you can see the bit underneath the car. Well, I was watch I was looking for wires, I was really scrutinizing it. No, I couldn't see anything.
2: No, it's it's basically so the rear of the shot, you've got something coming out towards it, and that's what's lifting it up. So right, in the front like the of the platform. shop, you don't see it because it's perp- It's exactly hidden but by. She's her. on a platform. You just see her legs going off Pretty much, yeah, but, oh, but, but she rotates as, as well. Yeah, because it rotates. So that because of the cast element of it keeps you ah, in one right, place okay. rotates around.
1: We're talking about phys- physical effects. You know the um, you know the opening scene in the basement of New York Central Library.
3: Yeah. Which is actually yeah. the
1: basement of the LA Central Library. Apparently, the internal shot. You know, you know when all of the – as she walks past all the little cabinets with the tickets start opening yeah. and the tickets – do you know that was an actual physical special effect? Yeah, I saw yeah. it because you can, you, you can see the – The guy behind them with a straw blowing into each one and just blowing with a straw was making them all fly out. There's one where there's, there's, there's pieces of paper actually crossing between the aisles. That, that was on a wire. That was a physical effect. But everything in that shot is all completely physical. In camera effects, which is quite impressive, I think that's good. Yeah, it wasn't so, so much better than CGI. The actual tickets that fly out of all those cabinets—you notice they're completely empty. There's nothing written or printed on them. They're just—they're just blank pieces of paper. There,
0: there was also uh, something I read the other day. I think it was uh, Ivan Reitman was driving in to to the set to do to film that scene, and he thought it'd be a really good idea to do the book stacking. Yeah, and that just came to him on the drive in. I love that you say, so, no human being would stack books like this. <laughs> it is. It's like, like they were literally making it up as they went along. Uh, the, the, the other ad-lib that I quite like, if it's true, is when he said, uh, <laughs> when Begman says to Spegler, oh, do you remember that time that uh, you tried to drill a hole in your head? <laughs> and Ray was just turns around and he says, that would have worked Probably if you like hadn't stopped me. <laughs> yeah. Apparently that was completely ad-libbed as well. <laughs> so Lloyd, Finish the sentence. What about the? It's a hard question. (laughs) And you might need some more background. Egon has just explained how bad things could be down in the basement. And they say, Tell them about the. And Bill Murray says, Twinkie. Twinkie. Thank you very much. Uh, Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? Dave, finish this. Uh, You're gonna endanger our client, the nice lady who paid us in advance before she...
1: Uh, Turned into a dog.
3: That'll
0: do, that'll do. Lloyd, an easy one, although you might not want to say the uh, answer. Yes, it's true. This man has no penis.
1: (laughs) It's Dick. Um, Was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here.
2: They caused an explosion. Is this true?
1: Yes, it's true. This man has no dick.
0: Dave, <laughs> human sacrifice.
1: I know, I know this. I know those Dogs <laughs> cats living living together, but well,
2: there's something yeah. in the middle. Human sacrifice. No. Dogs well, and right. cats living together. <laughs> Mass hysteria.
1: Oh yeah, I was thinking fire and brimstone, but that that was part of the proceeding. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies, rivers and seas boiling.
0: Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead
1: rising from the grave. Human sacrifice,
3: dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Uh,
0: Lloyd, uh, Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. (laughs) And um, Dave, all right, this chick is toast awesome well done you've passed with flying
2: that's awesome as well Dan oh, do, do know, just, 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 just quickly on that scene this kind of sums up Venkman's character compared to his, his standing compared to the other two in the movie the marshmallow on everybody Venkman's pretty much clean <laughs> apart from a little bit here and a little bit there yeah. everyone else is just like head to toe in it <laughs> When okay. I was a kid, I
1: used to watch Ghostbusters. At the end, the bit that you just referenced, after they vanquished the, the Marshmallow Man, yeah. and he's exploded, yeah. and he's obviously covered you know, most of Manhattan in, in Marshmallow, and yes, they step yeah. out at the end victorious, and they're quite clearly covered in Marshmallow. I thought Dana was wearing a wedding veil. <laughs> <laughs> It, just, it, just in
0: relation to just before that scene, you know, when they're at the top of the the stairs and uh, they they go into Dana's room, and and Ray says, uh, "Where do those stairs go?" Raymond yeah. says, "They go up." And and again, it's another thing that epitomizes his character. He walks through to go up the stairs, and then there's you know there's sort of like a, a big loud noise or a crash. I think there's like, and like and thunder goes, or hey, lightning or
2: something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he goes.
0: Okay, guys, come on! After you, <laughs> so <you two> he's <laughs> at the back. So was, like yeah. leading through, until it was scary. I said, like, "Yeah, come on, we've got it. We've got to all patch through now, guys."
1: When when you said before about the um, you know the iconic moments of that movie, I didn't I didn't really give give an answer to that. And as I mentioned uh, when I did Popper's Hot Shot, although it wasn't technically the first movie I ever saw in the cinema, I always kind of count it as because I remember it so vividly. And watch most of it through my fingers. Well, for me, there's so many visual moments in there that are so iconic and stick in my mind, even from just the actual, uh, you know, get her when the librarian turns, you know, <laughs> she turns to That ghost. was your whole plan.
0: Get her. Yeah. Get her.
1: <laughs> um, and when they're, I mean, I think the most iconic bit for me is when the four of them are standing, you know, uh, with, with Gozer in front of them. She's yeah. facing them. They're almost in silhouette, and it's all, you know, Really dramatically lit and everything. I think that that's just really iconic. But talking about um, Dana and the terror dogs, did you know that it was Sigourney Weaver, Weaver that came up with the whole? Um, you know, um, her and Lewis's character basically turn into the dogs and go and go and stand on, really? the, on the altar. Yeah, because oh, you know, famously she did the whole. You know, where she turns into a dog, she did that like when she met Ivan Reitman, and she came up with the whole idea. Because they had these plot holes, really, that they couldn't they couldn't connect. They didn't really know how they got onto the rooftop thing. They didn't know what the connection was from the from the characters of Lewis and Dana. So they had really? these concepts of 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 the gatekeeper and the lockmaster. Well, the right way
3: around. <laughs>
0: Keymaster.
1: Master. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: Lock>
0: master.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, had con- they had those concepts, but they didn't really know how that then related to, to the rooftop battle with Goza and they always had the marshmallow man, but they didn't know what those elements were. So she was the one that came up with the idea of turning into the dogs. And then there's but it
0: worked, it works so well, Dave, doesn't it? Because they're on opposite corners of the, the um the building as well. So it, it works well in terms of the, the symbolism of how the building is created. And yeah. it's the juxtaposition how those two would never, ever get together in, in real life, as demonstrated by all their interactions, yet they're there to find each other out when they're both possessed. So I quite like that, as a, the fact that Lewis kind of gets his girl, but only when he's possessed.
1: That's why what, that's, that's what I think the most genius part about Sigourney Weaver's casting is the, the physical difference between her and Rick Moranis. I think that's that's the genius of putting and, those
2: two together. Yeah, and when and when they when they hook up as a key master <laughs> and a gatekeeper, um they do that classic lean over kiss, but she's on top, isn't she? She's leaning him over.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, like that what's it called yeah. a dip, isn't it? It's a dip kit so dipping it and kissing him. It's like it's brilliant. <laughs> Bless him. Oh, I I've just had it just popped in my head, Lewis as well. <laughs> he's already tiny. But like in, in the foot, when he's wearing his tracksuit, his tracksuit leg. Yeah,
1: bottoms that was are like exactly About before. six
2: inches too short.
1: Yeah. That's just a genius touch. It just makes it him so true, funny. It? Yeah. Flapping but in the wind. It's, it's, it's back to his it's
3: dog <laughs> it's everything
0: with him isn't it even when he, he's dis- describing how he, he taped a 20 minute workout and watched it in double quick speed so he did a 10 minute workout yeah, got twice it's a great the, work, twice yeah. the... <laughs> dave i have i have a, a little surprise for you hopefully hopefully this will work i don't know if okay. it will um so um for the for the listeners and viewers i'm going to send dave somewhere and he doesn't even know where he's going genuinely do you don't know what i'm talking about do you do no okay so i want you to go outside to your front door go around to the bins in front of your house and look behind the green bin and get what's behind the green bin please this sounds go. like
2: screaming is, his is, family's tied up and gagged Dave, you've got, you've got to go <laughs> because we're, we can't edit this very well dave dave yeah
0: can you hear me when you leave the room
1: no okay bye
0: <laughs> So, for for all of those people who are still here and paying attention and listening, Lloyd and I have been collecting various um, pop movies type Funko models Funko, as we've Funko gone pops. along. So, Funko Funko pops, and um, we both chose our respective um, favorites for Ghostbusters: Benkman for Lloyd and for me Egon, which we'll put. Away right now, and we know how much that Dave really, 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 really likes Ghostbusters. So uh, we thought it would be a nice treat uh, to get him a present. So Dave, have you managed to find your present? So you have no idea what's in there, do you?
1: Is this an unboxing video
0: now? Yeah, it's an unboxing video. Need so to get um, to you
1: somehow
2: unboxing yeah. videos seem to work?
0: Okay. O- other supermarkets are available so dave this is our little um little idea a little present for you for being such a good friend ah right please now uh, narrate yourself opening a box <laughs> sorry
1: do it on camera That's expensive paper <laughs> and I used to open open presents and try to like not rip it so she could like reuse
2: it. Fine. Adam, your Fine. cool, your cool little like surprise segments for this show. Like none of them work on a podcast.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. Ironically, I think the podcast where it work.
1: Check it out. You see that? Mm-hmm.
2: Doctor Ray Stamp Funko Pop Seven Four Five. Thank you. That's awesome.
1: How come? Cool what have I done to deserve like present?
2: Because it, it's meant to go David- with babies, Dave. We've been secretly, yeah. for every sh- every show, Adam and I have been buying Funko Pops for that movie and <laughs> seeing if you'd notice, for example. And not okay, you, bought,
3: yeah.
2: you bought me that one, so you bought me right. Hans Gruber. Yeah. Uh, Hans Gruber, I, I got Tony, Tony Vresky. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: R- Roy Batty. All Blade right. Runner.
1: I, don't know, I got Rick Rick Deckard. <laughs> you two have got more sense than money. Yeah. The other way around. Um, I, like I like got five. This is my this
0: is my favorite one. I've got to get him out See of the box Yeah, my Brody one's my absolute favourite because so
1: you take them out of the box. Yeah, because he's got he's got um
3: oh, he's got the a cigarettes yeah. and yeah. a
1: little bucket of chum. <laughs> yeah. So check, I like out out it. check out that gargantuan Funko Pop doesn't it instantly devalue
0: now. I think it devalues if we if we hold them on, on a video. <laughs> there he
2: is. Oh, with the trap. Awesome. So there you go. Um, <laughs> did you, did you know day? that they, um, the um, the props dude had to. They made the traps smaller in Ghostbusters 2? Because in Ghostbusters 1, the cast were complaining about how heavy everything was. Yeah, and the proton packs as well. That's oh, why yeah, they changed that. the
1: proton packs, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Bill Murray. Bill Murray wouldn't do it, apparently, unless. Well, he didn't want to do it
2: anyway, did he? The economy to do in Ghostbusters 2 somehow. The. He just didn't know, like the idea how the do How did they con him into doing Ghostbusters 2016 then? um, he's, been, he's pretty much felt
1: like he's been conned each time. He's gone back and done another one. He's felt like he, he didn't really artistically want to do another Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> he's, he's not going in Afterlife, is he? Huh?
0: He's in Afterlife.
3: Yeah,
1: he is. Hate it when they do that. Most of mm. them are in it. I, oh, I, I understand he's in the he's in the twenty sixteen remake, but I've never lasted more than seven minutes into that movie. So you'd have lasted
2: more than seven minutes for a lot of things, Dave. <laughs> seven minutes is pretty good going. It is actually <laughs> these days. Yeah. That's uh,
0: awesome. So, so um, do, do you either of you guys know what the original title was for the movie?
1: Yeah, um, I do. Um, no. Look, you don't. I do. Uh, so so when Dan Aykroyd wrote the script, he had the um, the working title of Ghost Smashes, I believe. There was a few other ones that I've had bandied around. Uh, but by the time it went into production, they obviously wanted to, to, to call it Ghostbusters, but they had the issues that you mentioned during the introduction with getting, getting rights to that name. So during a lot of scenes, they actually had to film them twice, using the word Ghostbusters and the... Ghost Breakers as well. Even down to the scene where they're putting up the handwritten sign on the firehouse, they had to do it Ghostbusters and then take it down and then film it again with another yeah. one that said Ghost Breakers. Um, I understand the when they were when they were filming the scenes outside. Um, what's the name of, of the building that that, that that Lewis and Dana live in? Let's call it Zool for argument's sake. <laughs> the Zool building. Thing. Yeah. So what? When, when the film in the scenes, you know, just before the pavement starts cracking and all that, uh, and the Ghostbusters actually roll up and the crowd's all going, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Apparently, the guy, one of the guys on the production, basically phoned the studio from a nearby payphone and he basically held it, you know, listen to, you know, like uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. yeah. This oh, is your cousin, Marvin, <laughs> the new sound you're looking <laughs> for. Listen to this. Yeah, he goes, listen to this. And he says we are not calling this movie Ghostbreakers. It's just you know Ghostbusters sounds amazing in the chat, and there. So the story goes: uh, Frank Price, who who you mentioned earlier, was the head of Columbia that greenlit the movie originally, but they knew they had this issue, these issues over over getting rights to using the name Ghostbusters. As as luck would have it, um, call it Fave, call it luck. I <laughs> um, believe everything happens for a reason. So um, during production of Ghostbusters, um, Columbia Pictures was bought by Coca-Cola, and this guy, Frank Price, didn't didn't see eye to eye with him. So we actually ended up moving to Universal, who, as luck would have it, was the, was the, the studio that owned the rights to the name Ghostbusters. So he eventually signed the deal, which gave the rights of the name to Columbia, which is, you know, full circle where we started off. So... A nice little story.
2: When did they commission um, Ray Parker Jr. to to sort of craft the, the theme song? Well, not the theme song, but the, you know, yeah, the, this uh, was the main Ghostbusters song? Pretty
1: late in the day as well. Obviously, right. if you think about it for the same reason, I mean, he would have had to have done two versions. But, um, yeah, I understand, you know, you kind of, the one condition that, that, that they gave him was it. The song had to contain the word Ghostbusters, and he just said there was no yep. good way to get that into a song, and he was struggling to find an angle on it. And it's, he, do you know and what? It, do
2: you know why they said that? Do you know why they had to get Ghostbusters into it? Right, because the song was one of the one of the biggest elements of marketing for the movie. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, song was yeah. released before the movie even came out, and anyone knew anything about the film. This was because it had. If you if the the music video had scenes from the film and it obviously cut together, but just having the word "Ghostbusters" bouncing out the radio, it was just all pre marketing for the, for the film that was going to be still like probably a couple of months away. But I heard uh, in relation
0: to the 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 video for it that you know how, uh, I think I think Chevy Chevy Chase had turned down the one of the roles, but um, for for you know one of the main characters in in the film, but he appeared in the the music video for um ghostbusters as did have you, have a, a number you, of other people
2: yeah have you watched have you watched the music video recently no not so recently yeah, like, okay, watched, yeah. basically i don't think anyone was played the song no one had seen the movie or knew what it was about so it's basically right when we go action just say ghostbusters to that sort of tempo that pattern <laughs> so somebody yeah. just go ghostbusters ghost Ghostbusters, That's all, it's just none of it fits with the song, they've basically just isn't done it all. there's not a bit where they're walking down the street like that, which is
1: what they famously reused oh, in the real Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, um, the actual Ghostbusters, yeah. yeah. Like a ticket tape parade, but them doing that, yeah. don't they? Yeah. But the celebrity the song, bits at the end are pretty awful. He, he, he had only basically done a demo of the song and and they had a, he had a motorbike courier take it to Ivan Reitman and Ivan Reitman phoned um, Ray Parker Jr. and and said, I love it. And he said, all right, okay, but that, I've got to do the proper, I've got to record a proper version. And he, it was like too late. It's in the movie already. That's how close it was to the end of production. They needed to get this movie out. And they um, needed and that song it,
0: on it. Wasn't it so tight that actually the people who were shouting Ghostbusters on the track are like his, like Ray Parker Jr.'s family because he couldn't get <laughs> proper singers. It was some, I what I've read is it's something like, it was so last minute, it was like, uh, you'll do, <laughs> come, come in
2: here and just shout Ghostbusters yeah. Do you know where I first heard it as well? I can remember this quite clearly. So you had, you had the Wide Awake Club, I think, on a Saturday morning. Yeah. And it had Tommy Boyd, Tommy Boyd, I think he was called. Michaela He was. Michaela trackin'. yeah, tracking, yeah. And they basically went, right, we've got this new song. So they put on Buchan to market it. Be yes. Yeah, I think, yeah. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't it know was. initially yeah. if it was right right at the start of the Wide Awake Club. This is like yeah. in the early days of it. So Tommy Boyd's like, right, I've got a new song. It's for a new movie. And every time they say, who are you going to call, you've got to shout Ghostbusters <laughs> at the top of your voice. And it was just, so that was like Saturday morning television to all these kids. So it's all these kids are shouting Ghostbusters, going to school Monday morning. They're going, who are you going to call Ghostbusters? And the movie's not even out yet. So as soon as the movie's released, everyone's like, you know, take us to see 1984, take us to see Ghostbusters. We want to go and see Ghostbusters? It's just genius. And that
0: was, and that was the yeah, as you say, genius. The genius move was they, they, Basically, filmed a uh, a movie that was really aimed for late teens up, wasn't it? It was you know some adult themes, lots of people yeah. smoking all the time, showing the movie, um, yeah. and you know some some quite, I suppose, quite adult subjects and 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 the relationship issues and you know sexual let's, issues, and
1: let's let's not just forget love-
2: the let's not forget the the the, the Ray. The Ray scene with the... With the yeah, that I, I'd i not seen for years. <laughs> I must have seen it initially. And then when it's been on terrestrial yeah, television... Yeah, and then you think you've dreamt it because it, ITV cut it yeah, out I like, throughout the whole of the 80s. i sure I'd seen the, the,
0: that. the scene, you know, when they're in the prison cell or the, the jail. Yeah, I love um, that as well.
2: All the and, prisoners and, taking a load of interest and just moving in and looking at them and, uh, and um So be good, for goodness and, sake. And, oh. and Dave... Somebody's coming. Dave, Dave Dave's
0: Dave's favourite actor of all time, Reginald yeah. Al Jolson. Yeah, <laughs> Al Jolson. Um who who said that he actually auditioned for for Winston as well and then got the prison guard job, so that you know, good luck. Well done. and yeah when they are when they're all gathered around them and they've got the you know i don't know how when you get arrested you can have like 6 foot maps that you can roll up yeah. and like no, take with you in the
2: clothes isn't it because ray gets out the yeah. blueprints doesn't he for the building from his like pants or something
0: and they they they're explain it all and um apparently i'm not sure if this is true but apparently that particular place was was like a, a, a cell area and it was famous for being haunted and there were actual scratches down oh,
1: yeah. to the I, wall.
0: I and and Reitman hated film though. He said we've got to get in there, do it and get out. So I quite liked cool. the idea that there was some subtle kind of whether that was part of creating the buzz about the film, I don't know. But it's interesting to hear that, you know, there might have been some paranormal concern, even if whether or not it's oh, true or cool. not it's irrelevant. Yeah. The other thing I quite like is um And we probably have to record this at some point, uh, us saying, we're here to believe you. Um, We're
2: ready to believe you. We're ready to to believe you. Dave's already already (laughs) corrected me about that tonight.
0: We're ready to believe you. Um, The brilliant thing about that is Ivan Reitman decided it was a good idea, didn't he, to uh, release that as an actual advert. Yeah,
1: Um, with the phone number.
0: with the phone number, and, and
1: if you rang the number, course. it it yeah.
0: said something like, uh, "We're out catching ghosts." Well, busting ghosts at the moment. Yeah, and and they got something like a thousand calls a day for weeks and weeks, and it really
2: did
1: genuinely. Yeah. We should do now
2: five, five five five. The great movie show. Let's just put it up on the screen now.
1: We're ready, we're ready, to, ready believe. to believe
3: you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so glad we're not actors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, do you still- you guys you guys know that? Um, The movie was released on the 8th of June, 1984 in the US. Do you know what other film was released on the same day?
1: Well, yeah, I do. I do.
2: 1984.
0: 1984. I do. Um, Would you like a
2: clue? Would you like a clue? I don't need a clue. Uh,
0: No, I'll give you a clue because look uh no, Dave I'll give you the clue because
2: the thing is, like as as the new viewers know, I don't like meticulously research everything before I go on. Everything you get is madcap theories from my head when we're about the movies. And that's a good movies. thing.
0: Okay, so this 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 other film stars in a very small way, but definitely at the beginning, a young Corey Feldman. Gremlins. Yes, gremlins. Yes. And Bonus, bonus question, which Lloyd will probably already know the answer to, the fact I've said bonus question. Is there anything familiar about um, the uh, set on which they film Gremlins?
2: Yes, it's a very famous set. You might remember it from Back to the Future. Also, early days, maybe it, it came from outer space or something was set there. Yeah. And in most recent times, Division had a couple of scenes in, uh, in that set as well. All ticks. Dave, do you know what Egon collects as a
1: hobby? Mm. I do. He collect, I don't. And, and there's a grammatical error in there as well. So he collects spores, molds, and fungus. But he should uh, really collect spores, molds, and funguses. Because no fungi.
0: F- fungi for plural fungus.
1: All right. Okay. So okay, <laughs> I admit that I was wrong. Well, if you're going to be, be, be smart, unless he's collecting a single <laughs> fungus then it should be spores, molds, and fungi should be the answer. I guess it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easily. Do you have any hobbies?
3: I collect spores, molds, and fungus.
0: Dave, do you know the um, the fire station that was used? And that might be a trick question, mightn't it?
1: Yeah, so um, obviously the, ex- the external shots for Ghostbusters were mostly filmed in New York and uh, the start of production, they didn't actually have any of the permits in place. So a lot of the shots we see, like, in the musical montages where the three Ghostbusters are just, like, running down the street in New York and people are looking at them, and they did that without permission. They just did it, like, yeah. Gonzo-style on the fly. <laughs>
3: um,
1: but obviously, the the external shots, the famous firehouse, is Hook and Ladder 8 um, in tri- Tribeca, I think it is. It's just around the corner yeah. from the from, uh, World Trade Center, as was. Yeah. Obviously, the uh, the internal shots were done in a completely different firehouse in Los Angeles. I um, can't remember what it's called, which has also been used for other movies as well. It was. It's it's been it's been demolished now. I think it was used in um, Big Trouble in Little China. Was one of them.
0: I watched that again the other night, actually, and uh, I think that's aged quite
2: well. You wouldn't think well, a film got, like we've, really got do big... Big, we've got to do Big Trouble in Little China at some point on the show. We do. The, there's so many. We've things got to do John Carpenter, that, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> Stay puffed marshmallows. Mm. Where do you see them throughout the movie before the it. final
1: scenes? So there's a there's a. Do you want to answer,
2: it, Adam?
0: Yeah, I one of them is there's a billboard. There's
1: yeah, a billboard. You see
0: the billboard. When I think you see the, the billboard. Yeah, you see it twice. It's a
1: wide shot. Yeah. It's yeah, like a the Matt Payton. But
0: but also next to the eggs when the eggs are exploding. She yeah, I was them.
2: thinking, yeah. why she she lives on her own, right? She's got a massive bag of marshmallows. She's bought eggs and... What sort of crazy woman is she? She's bought eggs and marshmallows and in salary. like a daily shot. And and salary.
1: Salary. Well and then the, the, the veggies change in various shots, apparently. Mm-hmm. So I've got a question for you two. Go on, okay. Um, obviously, Ghostbusters 2016 wasn't particularly successful.
2: Before you move on, on that, the ro- yes. like, I've watched it. I've forced myself to... I, I, I couldn't watch it the first time. I got it. Someone gave it to me. I oh, know I got a code to get it for free. So I had it for yeah. free. Yeah, I watched it. Like you said, I couldn't get through the first sort of 15 minutes. I turned it off. Yeah. I forced yeah. myself to watch it. The writing is very yeah. good. Yeah. The writing of yeah. it is, br- is so good. I was watching it going, and the actresses who play the Ghostbusters are very good actresses. It's just yeah. there's a disconnect between the comedy of the writing and the delivery, which I don't get why it doesn't work, but it doesn't. Some of these lines are just, when I I go through them in my head, like 10 seconds after seeing it on the the screen, I I thought it was awful and it dropped dead on the screen, but I'm laughing in my head when I'm just going through the line because the writing's so funny. So it's just, yeah, it's such a shame that that film film just didn't work. Um, Sorry, go on, Dave. Thanks for answering the question that
1: I didn't ask.
0: So uh, I, I, I'd i echo what Lloyd is saying in relation to um, the remake of Ghostbusters. I think there's a, a thought process that anyone who says they don't like the 2016 version is some sort of misogynist or you know they hate the idea of women um, taking over the role of men or anything. I don't think it's anything to do with that at all. I think exactly what Lloyd said, there are so many things that could work in that movie and separately I think they all do. I think the writing's really good. I think the acting's really good, the casting's really good. Kristen Wiig's brilliant in most of the things she's in. Yeah. McKinnon, really good at Saturday Night Live. Melissa McCarthy makes a lot of movies that probably should be really bad movies. Good movies what's the part of the uh, reason why the, I just is, I just
1: couldn't watch I couldn't watch Ghostbusters twenty sixteen. I just cannot do it. I just find it cringeworthy. I just can't do I
2: it. I don't think it's cringeworthy. I just I don't know, it's just it's terrible the, the writing's brilliant. Ridiculous. It just doesn't the delivery's just not quite fitting with the writing. It just doesn't work. What's the name of um Egon's um equivalent in that? Is it Holt Gillian Holtzman. That's McKinnon, isn't it? Yeah, the actress name. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, and Saturday Night Live, she's brilliant, and she was good in Ghostbusters 2016. It just, not they that, had, it just didn't meet up. It just didn't, it just didn't exactly. connect.
0: And they they had Sir uh, Paul Feig, who did Bridesmaids, and Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy were in that, and that worked really, really well. But it was somehow like transferring it over to that, to mm-hmm. to the remake mentality. Yeah. It, it it just yeah. There, and there were a couple of good moments in there, a couple of like real laugh out loud moments. But generally, as a film, I. I just unfortunately think it's inferior. And then you have the, the debate over whether it should be part of the Ghostbusters canon. I think even um, Jason Reitman effectively said he's ignored that and he's treating
2: Afterlife as like the third movie in the, in the trilogy. Just remind me, Paul Feek directed a few episodes of The Office, the US yeah. Office, which Harold Ramis directed a few as well. Did he? I didn't know that. Yeah. No. I don't know how many, but you definitely yeah one or two uh, episodes of The Office Harold Ramis directed. Uh, go, going back to what you said
0: right at the start, I think um, you, you're right. Caddyshack was f- the first film directed
2: by Harold Ramis. He's brilliant. He's, he's... Yeah, so growing up, like, I think Venkman, like, is probably still everyone's favourite character as well. He's certainly my favourite character growing up because he's dominating on screen and everything. And the story, he seems to drive the story forward. But watching it back these days, Egon, definitely my favourite character. He's just, he's he's subtle. He's understated through the film, but he's always... He's got these little quips and these little subtleties, which are funny all the way through. He loses his rag in the mayor's office and attacks Walter Peck when he gets so yeah. angry, which is great because it's like it's a departure from his normal character. Then on the roof of the Shandor building, is that right, Dave? Shandor, yeah, yeah, Sha- yeah, Shandor building with the, with the gate to uh mm. goes the Gonzarian. Is that right? I don't know, comes here, Come Gonzarian. Go- Go- Goes of the goes yeah, that's right. Gonzo the Gonzo, the Gonzo of the Gonzo area. He's at the gate for Gonzo the Great, uh, do one of his tricks, um, and then the, the, I think that it's when the first, you know, when she goes, and then die, which is rubbish. Yeah. Put your ha- and yeah. then put it out to the side. For the Emperor, yeah, yeah, but like going out, to, it's yeah. just yeah, it was really sort of theatrical. Almost like mm. over choreographed, and they all go to the edge of the building. Win- Winston gets thrown upon the table on the, the mm. stone sort of altar. The others almost go off the edge, which and is- then they're trying to come up with a plan. And um, Venkman asks Ray for something, and I don't. I think Ray just doesn't say anything, and he goes like, "Oh, yeah. Razor, bye bye." And he goes, uh, he, he goes like, "Egon," <laughs> and Egon says something. He goes, he goes. I'm terrified past the capacity for rational thought or something like yeah.
1: that. Beyond the <laughs> think, capacity no, for rational thought.
2: It's looking at the marshmallow man, isn't it? It's <laughs> like, I'm terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought. I just,
1: yeah.
2: I never heard that yeah. growing up as a kid or I never would have yeah. paid attention to it. But like watching it these days, it's like that just line, I just find it. It's just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm terrified yeah. beyond the capacity for rational thought. Looking it's at this okay. big
1: marshmallow. Don't under underestimate the impact of of Egon as a character for, for you know kids growing up in the eighties that didn't that maybe like me were a bit geeky and didn't feel like they really fitted in. Not your archetypal hero. you haven't got somebody on screen that you can kind of you can kind of identify with, you know. Obviously everyone loved Venkman, but you know secretly like like you like you say now you can see it. I could see it back then, you know. Yeah. And he wasn't the cool one, but there was, he
0: still had something about him, didn't he? still had a cool him It's, it's yeah, funny that the, 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 the three characters, I would say that if you had to give a, I don't know, one word description for each of the characters, I'd say you've got Venkman as a chancer. You've got uh, Ray, uh, okay. Spengler you've got as the geek or the nerd. Yeah. Academic. And, then I, and then I'd say that uh, Dan Akoid as Ray Sance is probably just goofy. So you'd yeah. sort of say Chancer Goofy and Nerd. Yeah. And he's across me so really... he because
1: he, he is academic as well. But he's yeah. a bit, he's a, he's a, he has his vacant moments. He's a bit like me, I suppose. Well,
2: <laughs> this brings me into my first my first um era, I think, when they were shooting it. And I've always thought this, ever since I've been able to comprehend what was what was being discussed in the scene. So it's you know, don't look directly at the trap, Ray says. Mm. The first time they're catching the ghost. Yeah. Ray's the academic and the scientist Egon's the academic and the scientist and then Egon says I looked at the trap Ray but yeah. Egon would Egon would know the effect it would have on him he would know all that already he's basically designed it with Ray so I always felt that was Venkman's line but someone's miss-titled it in the script yeah. like Egon says I looked at the trap Ray I'd love to ask like, obviously you can't ask Ivan Reitman or Howard Ramus now but yeah. I'd love to ask him it's like did you not th- wasn't that someone else's line that's been misprinted I think it- it's I quite like the show... idea that
1: it's meant to be him, though. Yeah, it shows fallibility. It shows yeah. he, he's not, you know, he's not completely, completely perfect. He's
2: no, out he's, of his you not know, no, I, I don't mean the fact he looked at it, that he, you know, if he knew the danger, he wouldn't look at it. He's looked at it, but he's, mm. he's telling Ray as in, I looked at it, Ray. What does it mean? What does it, you know? What... I think the reality they, is what... that they didn't know.
1: They didn't actually know until that moment what was going to happen because they'd never used it, the, the equipment but... before.
2: But also, don't you think that... that... It kind of follows on from me on this point. I'm not being debunked and having a clown horn put over. But but (laughs) the thing, the thing I really liked
0: about that actually, I think that you're right in a way, Lloyd, that it probably should have been Venkman, but the fact it's Egon probably works for me a bit better because it shows that that you know it's like when he's got the the thing out and he says what do you think and he starts having a little go and he's like get rid of that i'm not yeah. talking about you calculating yeah. Just come up <laughs> yeah,
2: because,
0: <laughs> because he can't think on his feet at all and he can plan stuff and he you know he designed the proton pro, proton packs
2: yeah. right for information in the interest alone in the first 12 months is ninety thousand dollars or something like that yeah
0: but there you go another throwaway years is, is ninety
2: thousand dollars uh, Thanks, the Dave.
0: throwaway line from Bengals. You're Bankway never going
1: to regret this, Ray.
0: Don't, don't worry. Everyone has three mortgages these days. But when when they're in Turns the lift, in how are
2: how we, how we going to afford this? I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I
0: don't know. know. The, the bit in the lift is absolutely brilliant because you've got um, them all looking up at the, you know, Obviously, the lift numbers are going up in front of them. We can't see that because we're looking at their faces. But they're yeah. looking up and you see Ray yeah. sort of looking up like this. And they're not looking. they're not talking they're talking to each other but it's like fixed like this and he said I think we're gonna to have to do this and you can see their faces behind and he says, you know, can you turn me turn it turn it on and uh, egon says <laughs> him like yeah and,
1: but he says he says he says, uh,
0: he says uh, I blame myself and bank goes yeah I do too and then when he turned <laughs> it on, and, and the thing is because egon's designed it when he turns it on he shouldn't be surprised by the sound or anything but as you've just said Dave he sort of goes yeah
2: <laughs> core, moves completely bit, you know? to the side. Yeah, But, it,
0: but then it cuts. So yeah. they don't make a big thing out of the scene. It's almost yeah. like a throwaway thing. And there's a few things in Ghostbusters where it is just throwaway. Well, they don't, but it's
2: so you don't important raggot, for the You know, it's just occurred to me, we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment.
1: I blame myself. So do I.
2: Well, no sense worrying about it now. Why worry? Each of us is
1: wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back.
2: Right, okay, so...
1: Obviously, Ghostbusters 2016 has been and gone. There's Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out. Um, but my question is, do you think if, if it was a possibility that they should go back and, and attempt to basically do a special edition of Ghostbusters, redo all the special effects, you know, try and stick the original movie, stick with the spirit of the movie, clean it up, redo some of the special effects, do you think that would be a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think that would take some of the kind of spirit away from it? So, I mean, I'll call out a couple of things in particular. Obviously um, the, the terror dogs when they when they break through Lewis's door and they hit the corridor, it's kind of really obviously awful stop motion animation, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it's Harry of... It's Harry Housen, isn't it? It's your yeah. um Sinbad, Jason the Argonauts uh, style. Jason yeah. the Argonauts, you yeah. yeah. Sinbad you're simbad in the seven Seas, wherever that, it was, you've got yeah. you, you got that. And it's when great, it works, when but when when you, you did put it. it. Sorry? Do think we'd hate it if they went and redid it and it was no, amazing because you know rendered what? I, CGI? When I was watching the 4K version, the um, the close-ups on the Devil Dogs yeah. brilliant clarity. It's as if, I don't know if the original footage was like that or as if they've gone back to some sort of modelling and, and taken like a 4K shot almost. I don't know if you noticed that bit when it's just like they Bruce made, just they like made real
1: physical animatronic models of them, which they could film. But obviously, but when they the were the shots
2: perfect. But yeah, obviously, with the moving yeah. around, they've got they've got yeah. the stop motion. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it would take anything away. I think it'd improve it because I think you know we talked about um, in the Jaws episode. We talked about Bruce. Bruce is the worst thing yeah. about Jaws, yeah. and I think the worst thing about Ghostbusters is when they're overreaching for the special effects. Mm. And I think if they, you know, that's something where they could. Make it better. Although I'll tell you what looks good, even now when the ghosts ex- escape from the firehouse, when Peck shut down the containment, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, really good. When, when they're all
1: open. Out. please, yeah, yeah. D- d- please. And when they're it's when they all flying towards Dana's apartment, yeah. yeah, that still all stands up. It's uh, really and, good. And even even the Marshmallow Man was done was done combination of kind of uh, miniatures for the for the city shots, and they even had a guy in a suit actually for for some like. You know the shot from the side where his ho- his yeah. head's bobbing in between yeah, the building tops. Yeah, yeah. That's a guy in a suit, and also where he's starting to climb the building. That's a guy in a suit. Because <laughs> there's a story. If you watch it closely, as that shot when he's starting to climb, you notice that his red his red necktie's missing in that shot. Right. Apparently, the guy was in a hurry to get onto the set to do that shot, and he forgot to put <laughs> the, the tie back on. So if you watch it yeah, back, one, one
2: job. Just Put the tile, yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. I think all that stuff stands up. It's only the spot oh. thing that really stands out to what's, me.
2: What, what's the line that Venguin says when he's climbing a building? It's like, um, tell me
1: when we get to floor 24
0: because no, I've got to throw I up. I want to throw
2: up. No, I mean, when the, when the marshmallow man starts climbing a building, it's something like, Oh, he's a sailor, we're in New York, we just need to get him laid, uh, we'll all be sorted. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah and apparently, that's yet another ad lib, apparently, as yeah. well. That was all, all him. Uh, did you know that they uh, dropped 50 mm. pounds of shaving cream over the top of William Atherton for the, the scene where Pet gets covered in, in yeah. marshmallow? And, <laughs> and he's like, ah! <laughs> and And there's the supposed to be a bit, and it's something like on the DVD commentary, there's supposed to be a bit that he's supposed to be able to hear where he says, I hate Venkman, even when he's getting right. covered. Um I I I think he's a really good character, and it's quite nice that they put him in there at the end because there's no need for him to be in there. It was just an extra little mm-hmm. laugh, really, wasn't it? He's just he's walking along, and he gets covered in all of the uh, the marshmallow. So, Dave, I'm sure you've got a couple of other questions, but one of the things I was wanting to talk about briefly is um, the serendipity of some of the character choices. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Peter Venkman uh, was supposed to be played at one point by michael keaton
3: right that would Um, work
0: and exactly and i when was batman 89 or earlier 88
2: 88 88.
0: 89 so he wasn't going to do that um but the other one i quite like the idea of and you can kind of see how it might have worked at the time being slightly different tone but you can you can see how it would have worked. stephen guttenberg
1: yeah definitely
0: So but interestingly, he turned down the role to star in the first police academy, mm. which obviously had major success and became he became yeah. the household name he, he did because of that. And then Eddie Murphy already was was doing all right after 48 hours and, and trading places. But he turned it down to do Beverly Hills Cop. And actually that was the only film that outgrossed Ghostbusters that year. So right. it, it's in that's interesting to me that each of the people that could have been in it actually did really, really well not doing it, but the film didn't lose out from not having those people. And uh, a number of people who I think, again, you can see them in this role, and it would change it slightly, but still be really good performances. Obviously, Dan Aykroyd was always going to be Ray Stantz, but Egon, Harold Ramis, um, I've got a list here. Um, Chris Walken, Christopher Walken?
3: Yeah, (laughs)
0: Although well, it would have been these things and they're just talking about. What you me. mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's ghosts. They're just <laughs> like ghosts.
2: I'm um, sure you just did your Jeff Goldblum for like Christian Walken. It was funny. Another another it's
0: another, another, it another one that's that's <laughs> hilarious that you say that. And so uh, that was my Jeff Goldblum. Um yeah. he would have really sparkles.
1: Or sparkles. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um Christopher Lloyd.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I think too old. I I don't think it would have worked. But he, he was another one. But and and John Lithgow as well. You could see the 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 casting idea behind it all.
2: Yeah, yeah, I kind of get that.
0: But certainly, I think I think Jeff Goldblum would have been a really interesting. Ego. Yeah, he would. He
1: would. Yeah. What what. First, I mean, first general question: What do you think about the soundtrack? I'm putting the actual Ghostbusters theme to one side. What do you think about the combination of kind of El- like the Elmer Bernstein theme and there's a few do 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 pop do do songs do do do. in there as well. Well, I mean, I think I think the soundtrack's mainly. Sorry, I'm answering my own question. I think the soundtrack's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> the, the Elmer Bernstein stuff is really good. It kind of really adds atmosphere is. In bom, and boom, 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 I like, I like. I like most of the pop songs in it. I especially like uh, saving the day, obviously in, in like the, yeah. the final yeah, scene. that's cool. Um but I'm not keen on that Thompson twins song when when the spirits are all
2: surging yeah. towards have you. Yeah, yeah, the the, 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 the song, song in its entirety is a lot different as well. They've yeah. basically cut the thing that fits the film. Bus Boys cleaned up the town, it's very good. That's used twice in the movie, isn't it? That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Um <laughs> Disco Inferno was on the soundtrack because it's yeah. played at Lewis's, Lewis's party.
3: party.
2: Yeah, all yeah. right. I always wondered why that was on the. I was like, why have we got Disco Inferno? Like tramps. Isn't is though? is it though?
1: Do you what? actually hear it at the party? I, yeah, I you do. do. You, you hear. do. You definitely. Is it do, when yeah. she says? Is, is it when she says, "Lewis, I'm going home." And he says, and he gets to dance with her. Well, if
2: we start dancing, then maybe everyone else will dance. <laughs> and then he goes in. <laughs> he goes in for a slow dances. dance. <laughs> he goes into hugger, and she just goes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that. and they they
0: dance for literally like two seconds he goes i'm gonna have to that's get that normal. she
2: goes yeah is it tom and annette that turn up just tom and annette
0: that's so hey. funny that scene yeah um,
2: so, you know you t- you,
0: t- you talk about the soundtrack though you know at the very start when it focuses on the new york library and then it hands across to, it's a lion, isn't it? I think the statue yeah, yeah. of the lion in front of it. Yeah. But the music's quite sinister and sharp. It is, and yeah, quite it cutting. The,
2: and, yeah. But we
0: don't know the significance of statues in the movie at that point at all. No. And no. in a weird sort of way, it kind of plants a seed, that sinister statue, but we don't know mm. anything about it because it's, it, it's irrelevant, really, before we yeah. see the whole ghost situation. So I quite like that at the start. And also, I think it's quite a sharp, change from sinister to comedy very very quickly back and forth and that's one of the things that keeps it really going the
2: tempo. They do that in you know in the saving the day scene. So the saving the you know all the crap the the, the public are just lining the streets they come along in ecto one and it's do um yeah doom yeah. do
3: yeah
2: I see the danger sign <laughs> 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 and they get out and they're looking up at the building and then it segues from saving the day into that sinister music again as a yeah, bit of the yeah, building yeah. falls away on the ground and all the ghostbusters yeah. disappear yeah. and it's like all oh, right end of the movie great and then they, but they all climb out <laughs> yeah. and like and someone goes oh they're alive and then it, as soon as they get back out again it goes back into yeah. saving the day so it's so it's kind yeah. of it's kind of this like scene in scene it's got the saving the day scene with the sinister bit in the bit in the middle and then the yeah, it's just it's funny how the it really, they, they go back and there's do a really song.
1: abrupt cut. There's a really abrupt yeah. cut back to the do 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 do,
2: do. yeah Bang when the side. And they're going up the stairs. Yeah, but they exactly. do those abrupt really, cuts. You know, you know, it's in the first library scene. So that's the first time they use the bus boys cleaning up the town when they're running yeah. out of the uh, the public library, and then it just it cuts to I don't know where Egon's gone, but it's Ray and um, Venkman talking, isn't it about? about what they should do next. So they, they only use the first couple of bars in it in that bit, but it's a really abrupt cut, like you're saying, Dave. But it so works quite well. There's a couple
1: of bits that have always really stuck out in my mind um, when I watch it, and I've, I've always wondered whether it was intentional uh, in terms of the, the, the music and the audio editing, or if it's just a, a complete lucky coincidence. And you, I don't know if you ever noticed this or not. So there's a couple of bits where Venkman's dialogue, the way he does it rhythmically, it's actually in time in the music. So one of the bits is when they first yeah. get out of the car, when Saving the Day is on, and he goes, I've yeah. got to run, I've got a date with a ghost, and it's completely in time, <laughs> the tune, and it yeah. sounds so cool. Uh, and then the other bit, I suppose, is uh, when they've come out, when they've just arranged that that mortgage on 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 Ray's family house, and they yeah. he says, yeah. call it fade, call it luck. But it's Cold like the, yeah, the music but swells it, in time, it's really,
2: but, really good. Cool. But it, oh, does, it does, and it, it, in the first couple lines he says, it's the same key as well. So I think oh. I think that was put in afterwards to me. I think he's come out and said it sort of rhythmically. Um yeah. and, and then Elmer's basically put a bit of something Ooh, to first name uh, sounds. to lift it up.
1: Yeah, you know, me and Elmer. <laughs> you, know,
2: you know that that you know <laughs> yeah. that scene. It's Wabbit season. He call it fakes, call it lock. Call it karma.
3: I believe that
0: everything happens for a reason. You know that scene where he, he's there, uh, like lying, lying down, saying, "You know, Einstein did his best work as a patent clerk."
1: A patent clerk? <laughs> you know what your patent and clerk he, earns? And he, goes, <laughs> he goes, "No." <laughs> yeah,
0: and I love that because it's like he's made a point, and he goes, "But you know how much patent?" Clerk? He's
2: like, "No, that's not a bit of information I need to know." And, <laughs> and they're, just, they're just passing that whisk, <laughs> the little bottle of whiskey between them. Yeah, but, but it cuts back to Dan Aykroyd, Um
0: and he says something, and I just think a little bit of the, the movie Trading Places, because he says, you know, I've worked in the public sector, they expect results kind of thing, <laughs> and it doesn't fit really with his sort of goofiness, but it's kind of like that fear, all three of them are you know, meant to be in their mid to late 30s, they're meant to be students, aren't they, that don't really actually want to go out in the big wide world they want to carry on they want to be perpetual students forever especially Venkman he just wants to kind of bumble along and get the the grants and and carry on doing this useless work just to, to pull women and, I've and you, I've I, just, I think that's great
2: I've just read the line in terms of pulling women when he's when he's in Dana's flat and she gets possessed and he, he knows she's possessed so he's like he's not after anything and then she's like on the bed or whatever and he goes like yeah. it's a rule that don't don't get involved with clients and then she jumps on top of him and he goes more, more, more a of a guideline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's another bit where, like, literally at the same time, he says something, doesn't he? He goes, no, yes. <laughs> kind of like really quickly. He yeah. changes <laughs> it. He goes,
3: ah, yes. <laughs> no. you know, I love
1: this city.
2: <laughs> I love this town. <laughs> <laughs> I love this town. <laughs> Jeez, Dave's, done that. Dave's got us out. He's caught us out like about seven or eight times tonight. We need to get him back on the This is when you
1: only drink coffee,
2: so. I'm
0: drinking coffee. I, I'd get it wrong regardless of what I was drinking. <laughs> did do you, you know, go, going back to the I Love This Town moment, though, don't you think that weirdly, that's one of the things that doesn't, that one of the few things that doesn't kind of work in the movie? It doesn't fit that he says that when he says it?
1: Yeah, it just seems like they needed a climax that kind of cele- actual celebratory moment, yeah. but you could have said anything really at that point. Yeah. But it is a celebration sort of in feels- New York, I think, really, the movie.
0: But I quite like when. Lewis comes out of the 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 statue, and you know, they unpick him. Check on the little guy, the other guy, and they, they unpick him. And he sort of like weirded out. and says, like, "Who are you guys?" And it's like, "We're we Ghostbusters." And he goes,
2: "Okay." Turn the lights on. Do, 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 do. But then he, but then he, but then he goes, "Who does your taxes?" <laughs> it's like straight away he's <laughs> wanting he's wanting to do some work. The best when when they all come out the bot at the uh, the bottom of the uh, Shandor building, and it's rolling into the end credits. Yes. And all the ghostbusters there. And it's like, yeah, and all the accolade. And is even with them. Yeah. And um, and then Lewis comes out and he's like, Does anybody want to interview me? And then the Red cloth, cro- <laughs> no, the ambu- the paramedics come up and put a blanket yeah. around, and he's like, No, no, I I'm with I want to go with them. I wanna go with them. <laughs> and they take him off into the ambulance, the poor fella. Yeah, the, the
0: woman just looks at him and goes,
2: No, no. It's it's like I'm just no part happened. of this, I'm part of this. It's like, no, 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 you're a casualty. Yeah. You're just like one of the other people who are injured. <laughs> And then that last scene, Dave and I were talking about this earlier, where um, they all get into the Ecto-1, bar Lewis Tully, so Daniel's anywhere with the four Ghostbusters. And um, actually, we get Dan Aykroyd getting in. All these extras around, all the public are let past the barriers. And Dan Aykroyd's reversing this old hearse (laughs) into like the doing a three-point turn it was him though you wouldn't get that in movies these days you'd have a, it, it basically yeah. would be the Ghostbusters is getting either cut to credits or a distance shot and it's someone else driving out but Dan i like looking out the window reversing all these people turning the ecto one round and driving it off it's brilliant it just made you feel authentic it was really good
0: i i think the stuff that the, the end scenes just because they are really they are authentic aren't they really that oh. that that different that different shot, the different camera angle, the different filter, all of it completely different for the end scene, works quite well because it creates this sort of thematic ending, doesn't it? And a sort of celebration, like you were saying before, Dave. It's that kind mm-hmm. of celebration of the end of the movie. It it's it's like they've decided to go Panavision rather than normal normal cinema. And um Did you notice I think the, it just
2: uh, it just creates something? Did you notice the doorman from um, Dana's building, from the Shandor building? He's, as the Ghostbusters yeah. get back in, he closes the door for Ray. So Ray yeah. gets into the. He still does the door. He still does the door. He's dishevelled. He's probably yeah. destroyed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he just yeah. and he's like he sort of nods him and smiles at him and closes the door for him. It's like it's a, that's yeah. a really nice touch as well.
0: So this is the part of the show where we review uh, the film that we've been talking about. There are two ratings that we use on the Great Movie Show. We use a popcorn rating out of ten, and that's normally a personal viewpoint how we view the film ourselves, how much we'd watch it, how much we enjoy it. It might not necessarily be indicative of how good the film is from a critical perspective. And we also have a five-star rating from a critical perspective where we recognise how good that film is when set against lots of other films. So with those two ratings in mind, I'll first start with Dave. Dave, what popcorn rating would you give to Ghostbusters 1984?
1: All messing around this week. Just going to go straight for it and giving it 10 out of 10 it's got
2: to be awesome if
1: there's any movie worthy of, wow. worthy of 10 for me then this is it so not even going to justify awesome. just accept it
0: um and maybe we'll hold back on your critics rating then Lloyd what would you give us your popcorn rating for Ghostbusters
2: do you know what I it would have been 10 from memory but because I've watched it recently um uh. off, no I just I couldn't I didn't enjoy it as much. I think I was watching it not too critically, like not for the show. I think I was just watching it with my forty-two-year-old brain on me, and I just didn't like Venkman. and it took a little bit away from it because I was—I don't know. Uh, so, it, but it's still high. It's—it's it's a nine popcorn rating from me.
3: Okay, I think that's a ten.
2: I think a ten-year-old me would have been ten. My age now, I think it's just lost a little bit, and the special effects as well. The, you know they're so dated now some of them um so it's a nine I lost one popcorn kernel i feel responsible well, i've
0: i've i've sort of gone the other way i i was thinking of it as maybe uh an eight out of ten you've gone to 11 and,
2: you've Gone the other way
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is spinal tap i i went for uh an eight at first but then when i was thinking about the the scoring all i could hear in the the uh in my head was that um, down <laughs> and suddenly I was thinking do you know what I enjoy this one more than that I, I mm-hmm. you know there's something about that film that um yeah I want to give it a nine so I've rather than go from a 10 and bringing it down I've gone from an eight and taken it up so I'm also a nine popcorn rating um so Dave we're now looking at the critics rating so this is when you're a little bit more critical of it as a film within the uh the confines of comparing with classics, any other movie, what would you say out of five stars that you'd give Ghostbusters?
1: Well, I still think it's an amazing movie. I think, obviously, the special effects have dated a bit. I don't think the humour has dated. I don't think it will date now, to be honest. I think the humour stands up. Um, it's, well, you know, a lot of it is just funny little quips, asides, even just looks and stuff like that. Um, obviously, yeah, the special effects could drag it down but i'm gonna i'm gonna mark it in 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 context of 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 when it was released obviously i've got a lot of love for it as well which shouldn't be part of this one granted um i'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five which is possibly a little bit a little bit charitable it's somewhere between a four and, and a four and a
2: half i think so Gonna... Okay, we'll go with we'll go with four and a half because we can't do four and a yeah, quarter. And a <laughs> Lloyd, what Lloyd, what would um, you like to same sort of sentiments as Dave. Um, but you know, critics rating, you're looking at it critically as a film, uh, what it's set out to achieve and and what it is as 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 a piece of work. So it's a four from me. Um I think at the time, yes, the special effects were as good as they were going to be. I think they could have been a little bit better. And as Dave said, the you know, they just went for the first shot of some of the special effects because of the time frame um it's a comedy it's it's not even a supernatural comedy is it really ghosts to kind of just like the, the subplot really it's you know it's three three amigos um you know quipping and making jokes and, and getting through the, the plot of the movie together with a lot of laughs along the way so it does what it's set out to achieve um yeah four star critics rating four star
0: I'm I'm quite impressed that during your commentary then that you've uh, referenced the three amigos, which is uh, a film yeah. we could probably talk about. <laughs> My over little here! bird of cup
3: <laughs> Over here. Oh look up, look up Hey you guys, hey you guys over here over My
0: here! critics rating is a little bit lower than your your both your respective ratings. I think it's a, a really good film. It's something that I enjoy putting on over and over again. Um I think that The problem with comedies um, generally tends to be that they don't get the same recognition as being great films as perhaps dramas or thrillers. And for that reason, I'm bringing the rating down a little bit. Uh, So for Ghostbusters, I am giving three and a half stars.
2: (gasps) Three and a half!
0: Okay, so that is uh, the end of our ratings, Um, some controversial ratings amongst us, it seems. Um, at the great movie show we always expect there to be high uh, popcorn and critics ratings uh, so we never expect to see lower than three stars I suppose Um, Ghostbusters is still a brilliant film uh, and one definitely that everybody should consider watching if you haven't already done so. Next up Trading Places So Trading Places is where we look at recasting uh, the main characters of a particular film that we've been looking at this week. Um, Obviously, with Ghostbusters, we've got some iconic actors playing some iconic roles. Uh, As with every episode, uh, it's often difficult for us to find like-for-like replacements. Sometimes there's a particular theme. Sometimes we've taken it in a different direction. Uh, On this occasion, it may be that we've all come up with different ideas for what the feel of the new movie is effectively we're looking at recasting ghostbusters 1984 as if we're filming it today okay so um dave who would you choose as your peter venkman um
1: so i think the the guy that originally sprang to mind um unfortunately he is ruled out instantly as he's actually now a member of the Ghostbusters universe in his own right. Um, so that was Paul, Paul Rudd. Paul
2: Rudd, yeah. I think he, yeah. he
1: was quite, a quite. A, I mean, he's a bit older than Bill Murray was at the time, but, you know, he, he literally never ages. I think he no, sold his soul to the devil. He's
2: 22, Paul Rudd, isn't he? Basically, yeah. forever.
1: Uh, the, other, the other one to me that was fairly obvious, which is be, he was in Lloyd's, certainly for Jaws, for and, and I'm kind of trying to hold on to the big names as long as I can. So Ryan Reynolds was another yeah. fairly obvious Peter venkman yeah. s yeah, character. Absolutely. But I think that my, my issue with casting Venkman is that looking at Bill Murray, it wasn't about the way he looked. It was about his charisma more than the way he looked. He wasn't a, the most conventionally handsome guy. Um, but having said that, I still chose someone that's very good looking. <laughs> uh, so I've gone for Oscar Isaac. I think we would make a good Peter Benkman based on his performance in Ex Machina. I just love the sarky kind of the saki
2: vibe he gives off in that movie. Uh, yeah, I can say It's just, I don't know. Poe Dameron was quite you know funny and cocky when he, but I don't know. I, I. Don't I know. I,
0: I think I think Dave, you've, you've hit the nail on the head for Venkman. That I, I fu- yeah, I fully understand why you might choose Paul Rudd or even Ryan Reynolds because they have that kind of charm to them. Yet, um, still got that kind of dry humour. So I was trying to choose somebody that fit that bill, but I was also really keenly trying to get people that were a bit younger that were in their mid thirties. I think what strikes me about Ghostbusters is when I was watching it as a kid, these people were felt a lot older than me, even though actually I think I think Dan Ackwood was 33 or around about 33 34 at the time. Um they felt like they were in their sort of 40s when I was young, you know, that kind of a fair bit older. So looking at actors that are in their early or mid thirties, it's really hard to find somebody that has all of the qualities that Bill Murray had. You tend to find that it seems with a more mature kind of actor. Um but I've I've been trying really hard to find somebody that I thought might fulfil the comedic elements of it, but still be believable. Um, reluctant, yet could be a bit slapstick. So I've actually gone for Andy Sandberg. Oh no. <laughs> Look what I haven't. I haven't. Ever done it again. Yeah,
2: that's it. Ever done it again,
0: Lloyd. Awesome. Yeah.
2: I think he'd be brilliant. Saturday Night Live link as well. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. So, so-
2: so Lloyd, have you chosen Peter Van Who <laughs> yeah,
1: have you chosen? For all those reasons.
2: <laughs> okay, let's move on.
1: <laughs> right, we'll make sure we
0: ask Lloyd next. Okay, so Lloyd, <laughs> who would you choose as
2: your Ray? Oh, Ray. I don't know if you'll have him, but it's still the um it's a Saturday night live link. I think okay. he he could play to Ray's sort of intellectual, yet a bit spacey elements. Um I've loved Bill Hader in everything I've seen him in. You didn't have him, did you? He, he was on my, my Spenglers, potentially.
1: Oh, was he? Yeah. He was on your what? He was on my, he's been on my Spenglers. <laughs> I've got I've got. got a, got a report to the police. He's been getting on my Spenglers all week. Is, you, is
0: that a euphemism, Dave? He was on my Spenglers?
2: He's been getting right on my Spenglers. I think he's brilliant He's brilliant in um, yeah. uh, Hot Rod... Um, even like forget forgetting Sarah Marshall, he's on a computer screen the whole time. Because um, yeah. when he's when he's chatting to him, and he's just Bill Hader, he just he can make me laugh with with anything he does. He's absolutely fantastic. And I think as Ray, he could play the role, and he'd be given like a prime role, which he, which he deserves really. No, I,
0: I I don't dislike that at all, Dave. Who uh, who's your choice for for
1: Ray? Hey you want me to ru- I'm going to run you quickly through the, the almost, the almost, okay. Uh, I had Zach Galifianakis, Galifianakis, I had Jonah Hill. <laughs> I knew you'd have Jonah yeah, Hill. Did you, Gosh, did you, Josh did
0: you choose, choose somebody um, different because you can't pronounce his name?
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I thought it might be, might be, might be a genius move to cast a woman. So I had Melissa McCarthy. Um the one, that, the one that I finally settled on, and I only become aware of this guy because uh, my daughter, Ayla, is a big fan of Pitch Perfect, and I saw this guy, and I thought, my God, he really is like a young... It's mine. You've so, chosen mine? Yeah. Have you chosen Adam, Adam D- Devine? Yes. Adam yeah. yes. Devine. Yes, yes, That's he's who got I chose. he mannerisms, hasn't he? He's really got yeah. something about him that's so... He does. He's, Good. I, he's,
2: in, he's in Modern Family, and he does have those... I just, I don't know, I'm not sold on it, but I get it. I get right. it for him.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah, I thought I thought from a visual perspective, he he fit the bill. Um, I was looking in that. So, sort I found a
2: bit too cheesy. Not cheesy. I can't I, I can't put the finger on it. What he is? He just he's not quite. I don't know. Ray was you know. It was just Dan Aykroyd played it a certain way. I don't think he'd pl- you know. I don't think yeah, he'd, he'd do it to that caliber. Just bear but, in mind, but, Dan Aykroyd was also
1: acting. He's not yeah. actually Ray Stantz.
2: Yeah, I know. But the, but the the the
0: the good thing about it is that Lloyd Lloyd was talking about um Bill Hader and both Dave and I had thought about Bill Hader as being Egon, and yeah. when Dave started talking, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've got the same I've got the same Venkman as Lloyd, and I've got the same okay. uh, Ray as Dave. So that brings us neatly on to Egon, who I think there's a big spread of people that it could be now. Yeah, so I've Lloyd, gone, who I've is your
2: I've gone far field, so it's not someone that you'd, you'd sort of um, expect to see like in a nerd role, but they could do it. And I think um, you know, in recent roles they've been quite built up, but traditionally, what you when you saw them initially coming up through their acting career, they weren't that built up. They had a normal sort of like body. Um, I've seen him wear glasses in a few scenes. They can work be nerdy, and I think that w- he's a very good comedian that he works in in a comedy setting. But he can also do a bit of action as well. Um you just gotta you'd have to get him just right for Egon, but I think he'd be very good. And you're gonna think of mental here. John Krasinski.
1: Okay. I saw him more I, I saw did. him
2: more as a Venkman, to be honest. Well that's that's what you'd think, but he, he, one of the episodes of The Office, he plays, he, he acts as Dwight, yeah. and he's got his glasses on, and he's a bit of a nice. nerd and stuff. And I I just I think he could play it really well. And do you know what? Egon isn't a massive nerd. Egon is just like his—he's understated and he doesn't say a lot. But he's just like his character in Stripes. He's still, you know, he's—he's he's just a normal chap, isn't he? But he's just very, you know, he's hyper intelligent. So who would you choose, Dave, for right. Egon? Oh, I know. I know it, I'm just
1: going to make a make point. Yeah, I noticed that uh, Lloyd, you certainly don't give us the whole. This is who I was almost chose. I do a really long list and then and then eventually whittle it down. And so I'm going to go through the list for each And I hope, I apologise if it's tedious, but I think it shows my thought process.
3: Yeah, that's, good. Yeah, that's
1: good. So, yeah. I mean, I had, I think a fairly obvious one, actually. but well, I had Christopher Mintz Plas on there.
2: Yep, glasses. Look loving, so, obviously. So basically, Dave's going to go through everyone with glasses. <laughs> okay. Keep on well, going. Not, okay.
1: well, actually, no, no, no. Right. I had I had Chris O'Dowd on there. I thought he could make a convincing big on Spangler. So I was trying to think you a know, little bit outside the box. Chris,
2: Quick story about Chris Um, O'Dowd. His his wife didn't want to take his surname, but she took the O from his name. Right, right. I can't remember what her name is, though, so it's not a very good story. (laughs) Is it Jackie O? (laughs) No, but she took the O, so she's got a first name and surname that she's been born with, but she's taken his O, so she's got an O now between her first name and surname, but I can't remember her name. I'm taking the O.
1: Another one was Paul Dano, I thought could be Egon, but he's maybe a bit too intense. Yeah. Paul Dano? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Puldano. No, Puldano. From there will there be Doesn't... blood and other things
1: yeah i also had um i don't know why this guy keeps going. adam driver and benedict cumberbatch I'm trying to go for intensity somewhere along there Uh-oh. okay the one i the one I eventually settled on and i think I, the reason he's probably in my mind is because i watched a movie with him in and um, the other day and he's not been in a lot for many years but there's something about the spirit of of, of him as an actress is I don't know, something about him I thought would make a good Egon. So I went for John Heather. who yeah, obviously yeah. played Napoleon, Napoleon. And it's not because he had curly hair and glasses. It's sort about of him as a, as an actor and his kind of spirit and, and his, his height as well. Actually, you know, all the original Ghostbusters were all over six foot.
0: Yeah, they were. I, w- I was mm. interested in the height side of the thing. So are you expecting it at some point to just turn to somebody and say, you've got my chapstick? My lips
3: hurt real bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, I, I, I looked at him. I looked at um, Bill Hader. Bill Hader was definitely sort of second on my list, very close to swapping with my first. But you've already mentioned him. I've gone for Adam Driver, and realised mm. I had two Adams in my list, which was very strange. And then started thinking, did I want to choose all my other characters with my first name? Um, Adam Driver's got the sort of size. He's got the kind of yeah. I don't know kooky sort of look to him that I think that yeah. Harold Ramis yeah. has. I think you know. He's got a lot of range, you know. Forget what he's like in Force Awakens, and like he's got a real good range. And I think that he could probably do the deadpan side of the comedy rather than the comedic side.
2: I've, I've asked you this before. He, he did. Um, he basically did the Ben Solo um, undercover boss. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He was, and he wore he wore his glasses, <laughs> and he, he did just play it really nerdy and deadpan. So I can see that now. Yeah, I can see it as he got.
0: Um, so we're now down to. I'm going to. I'm going to move it around a little bit. So um, rather than go to Winston straight away, um, I'm going to go to Dana. So Dave, can you tell me who you're? By the way, I'll preface this by saying I think I've knocked this out of the park from a looks, personality, and acting perspective. I think I have got almost the modern day replica of Sigourney Weaver.
2: Okay. You may disagree. Gone, Adam, caveat, Adam's, gone for Emily, Adam's gone for Emily Blunt. Who have you gone for, Dave? <laughs> nope.
1: I will nope. caveat my answer by saying up until five minutes before we came on air, I actually thought we were only doing the four Ghostbusters. <laughs> and as you can see by the number of actors I have for each of those, I spend a lot of time agonising over those, whereas I had literally five minutes to come up with answers for Lewis Tully and Dana Barrett. So But that Dave, that's said...
0: good because that's good because it means that there's a couple of instinctive responses. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to see what your instinctive views are.
1: Okay, so having said that, my answer is Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs>
2: Don't you use her every week. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I'm sure you've said Jennifer Lawrence before.
0: Dave, David um, David's a casting couch guy. Um, yeah, so it's a female role. She's a ninety yeah. year old woman. Yes, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think she was I think she was on my almost. And as I said, I literally didn't have time to think about it, so I needed to think about someone that had, you know that was tall okay. and female.
0: <laughs> Lloyd, who are you choosing for Dana?
2: Um I've gone for someone who again, she's played sort of an action movie hero part part of the team um she so she's got the strength to deal with that on her own but she's also needs the help of the ghostbusters um she's beautiful she's a bit older than I think Sigourney Weaver was at the time I've gone for Olivia Munn nice yeah i like that yeah
0: really good actor
2: yeah and yeah. i think she i think she she'd play off well against Andy Sandberg and that's what it was based on it as really
0: yeah, no, I think that that's really good. I um genuinely, I, I'm sort. I know I sort of wound you both up by saying, you know, I've knocked this out of the park. If you think of what Sigourney Weaver was like when she was in Ghostbusters, think of her sass, but also her sort of strength of, of character. You know, she was matching Venkman, You know, scene for scene, wasn't she? In terms of, you know, she only was she was only interested in him because she wants to be, not because of all of his attention. Um, I was thinking a, a, of an actor that has impressed me in quite a few films um, Die Hard 4.0 maybe not the best example um, the um, most recent film I think I've seen her in is Gemini Man with Will Smith and that's Mary Elizabeth Winstead now if you don't know who Mary Elizabeth Winstead is I'm sure you have both nod so you probably do but if you Hilden, to Google, Hilden. yeah Hilden. and if you if you if you look at pictures of her, she basically for me, she is exactly a modern day Sigourney Weaver. I think absolutely slam dunk, perfect, like for like. If you're wanting to do like for like, I know we sometimes don't do that. Sometimes we say whole reimagining, or we'll do it that. this way. But uh yeah, like for like, Mary Elizabeth Winston. So um I think possibly the most difficult person is um Lewis. Especially for Dave, as he only was asked to do it about three minutes ago. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, D- Dave a bit of time. I'll go first in relation to to Lewis. Um, I thought of all different characters. I thought of is it uh, um, and Aziz Azwari at one
3: point.
2: Yeah. Uh, Parks and Wreck.
0: Yeah, I thought he was quite. An interesting kind of, you know, quite kind of short and kooky kind of character with a bit of a a, a squeaky voice and that sort of thing. I thought he could have worked quite well, Um, but actually, I I ended up just sort of being drawn to is it Simon Helberg who plays Howard Horowitz on The Big Bang Theory? So Howie from The Big Bang Theory. So I've chosen um, Simon Simon Helberg as my as my Lewis, but I think we're all going to struggle because Rick Moranis was just. Absolutely yeah. perfect in that. So role. you
2: can't you can't replicate that. You can't no. do Rick Moranis any better.
3: Yeah.
0: So that's Both. why like
2: when I did when I did Jaws, I went a completely different way because you can't do them any better. Yeah. So for mm-hmm. my Lewis Tully, I've gone a completely different way. Um and you'll only know this actor really if he's mainly known for doing the uh the US office with John Krasinski. Funnily enough. All right, okay. Um and he plays Kevin Malone, and he's an actor called Brian Baumgartner. Yeah, um, quite rotund, um, balding on top, so that would create the awkward sort of element to him. But he's he's just really funny, the things he does, and he comes across quite cool sometimes. He's just he's a brilliant character in The Office, and I think he could just take Lewis Tully a different direction, um, and still I do like it, it perfectly. And and him and John Krasinski have some brilliant moments in The Office, so I think him as as, as Egon. Uh, and Lewis there, especially you know when he's interviewing him, yeah. you know with with yeah. the infrared thing on top. I think <laughs> the, the colander really get a good <laughs> yeah. They could get a really good to and fro going. So apologies for no one who knows Brian Baumgartner, but watch the um, the US Office. He plays Kevin Malone, and he's he's absolutely brilliant. You're but
0: spotless. it's it's funny you me- it's funny funny you mentioned the US Office because at one point I was also thinking of is Craig Robinson, is it Robinson mm. Craig Robinson? Mm. Yeah, I thought of I him think- as Winston.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. At one point, so. I'd, he's he is he he's he's on my list for winston but he didn't make number one okay um, if you, but if you go if you going for craig robinson then and you wanted it like a sort of saturday night live feel but it's not saturday night live you go for that gang wouldn't you so you'd have seth rogan you'd have um um franco james franco yeah, yeah. um the yeah. little guy Kenan, is it keenan um i can't yeah, remember there's, there's- but that, that little group, because they all write together. Yeah. They did, um, the, what was it called? The End is Nigh, or The End of the World, or something like that. Yeah. Not The World's End with Simon Pegg, but the other yeah. kind of weird one. They did yeah. a lot. They're did they all friends who write together, aren't they? So you kind of go for that whole sort of film. I'm surprised Dave hasn't mentioned Seth Rogen as one of his <laughs> training oh, we, places. We, right. we don't, we don't know. He's, he's a, in Jaws. He's, um, yeah. he's, he's, he's my Hooper. D- who are you uh, going to cast
0: as Lewis Tully?
1: Okay. So... As she mentioned, um, obviously I had to come up with this off the top of my head. Don't make excuses. I think he's a good choice. I think if would we'll go for
2: it, just just be have confidence behind your choice. Then I've chose <laughs>
1: Steve Merchant. Yeah, yeah. I don't don't have confidence. <laughs>
2: do you know what S- Steve Merchant Merchant for Egon?
1: I he, he was he was on my my kind of potential Egons, but no, he good good to lose, Tully. Because it is the are
2: free gone. Yeah. He's got the
1: awkwardness, it- and to be fair, it's yeah. com- completely yeah.
2: the opposite way. He's huge, isn't he? Instead of tiny. Yeah. But if you think of Hello Ladies, he's got this overconfidence. Yeah. You could do Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. It's over- amazing. I love that but program. In fact, look, yeah. Lewis Tully has this overconfidence anyway, because he's like going to Dana all the time. He's just so yeah. forward with his talking. That's what I was thinking. And Stephen Merchant could do that. <laughs> Have, <laughs> yeah, having, that's that's really you, good. I like you that. Thank yeah, really you.
0: Dave, like I would say, you haven't said that, I can now actually see um Merchant locking himself out of his door and yeah, finding
2: it yeah. absolutely hilarious. Well, he's leant over it a bit more. and He's <laughs> drinking a bit more. Just having the awkward
1: conversations in in the corridor with Dana. Yeah, yeah. hello, ladies. By, by Jennifer Lawrence.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where That's he's in brilliant. that bar, he's brought everyone a round of drinks. And then he falls off the stool <laughs> <laughs> onto the tray with all the drinks everywhere. <laughs> and I, if um... you haven't seen Hello, Ladies, you need to watch it. It's brilliant.
0: I. <laughs> I am. Um, I've left Winston till the end because that seems to be the character that maybe changed the most between sort of the imagining and the writing and the original casting and then the final casting. So I think Winston could be cast as quite a, a serious sort of ex-marine, which is you know with a big backstory there, or it could be all the way to the other the other end, and it could be complete comedy overkill almost. So with that in mind, um, I think you've got a lot to play with. It's whether or not you go one end in the middle, stay, try to stay true. I think, uh, you know,
2: does <laughs> that not sound right? You've got a lot to play with. It's whether you stand one end or go another.
0: <laughs> so uh, with uh, with Winston, you can um, choose any real actor or character and I think there's probably justification for it um so with that in mind um there's wide scope for anything really Dave so who is your Winston Zeddemore
1: okay so I thought it, I thought it was important for Winston he's of all the four of the, the kind of characters he's kind of you've got to be the straightest hasn't he there's not he's not there's not really any true comedy there um so there's was, there was a few that I considered but some of them are kind of at the because they, they were comedic actors, really, and I thought it was important not to go down that route. Um, so, the one that I decided on eventually was, and as this complete coincidence, it's a guy whose name is Winston. His name's Winston Duke. Uh, oh, yeah. He played, he played Mbaku in Black Panther, and he was also yeah. in the Jordan Peele uh, movie, Oz. I yeah. uh, just thought, yeah. you know, it was quite, kind of straight down the middle kind of,
2: kind of guy. So, that's why I chose.
1: Mm.
2: How about you, Lloyd? Um, went through a lot, um, and then I'll just give him a top two, rather than going good. through everything. Obviously, I thought you one of you was going to choose Kevin Hart, um, so I, I eliminated him straight away. <laughs> um, so, number two, Winston comes in late. He doesn't really know anything, so he's learning. He's on the back foot straight away. I thought Michael Pina would do a good job of that.
1: Oh, I like I that. thought of
2: it about him at one point. Yeah. Or comedy
1: is yeah. really funny, and I think he'd be kind of. Have, have no, but, give him no because
2: he can all, like he did Narcos, Mexico, didn't he? There was no comedy in that whatsoever. So yeah, you can hold I him guess. back until he needs yeah. to do it. Um, But I didn't. I didn't go for him. <laughs> so my number one was yeah. Randall Park. Again, really? he's he's coming in late. He doesn't know what's going on. He's kind of learning it all on the back foot, and so he's sort of yeah. like, all right. He's almost like Lewis was in Ghostbusters 2, isn't he, Winston? Because he's kind of like learning everything late. And mm-hmm. I just thought he'd be really good as sort of like the almost like the unassuming he, hero. He just wants a paycheck. He's joining the group and then gets arrested and then ends up in the final scenes. I like so it. that. I like have it. you
1: both used Randall Park now? Didn't you cast him as man? Yeah, I,
0: I cast him as, was it Dwayne T. Robinson at one point? Or or they also no. ran for.
2: No, he's he's been mentioned as a number two or yeah, number three in some way.
0: That's what I mean. Yeah, I think he was second to um, J.K. Simmons or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My my choice for Winston was I think I said at the start of all this that I w- wanted to sort of crank up the the comedy side of things. So obviously I've got um, Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got Andy Sandberg and I've got Adam Devine or Adam Divine depending on how you want to say. It. Um, Adam Driver takes a bit of the humour out of it, but I think you get you get away with that with Egon anyway. There's think, a lot. Of that I think you get hands. it back
2: from Adam Driver. I think he can do a lot yeah. with the comedy.
0: Exactly. So I wanted to go somebody even funnier again as Winston, and I really like Damon Wayans Jr. So I've chosen <laughs> him as my um, my Winston because I think he would do the kind of Kind of pretends tough guy, or he can be tough when he needs to be, but also mm. can just be quite cutting and also say some hilarious jokes. I think it would be a slightly different character than Ernie Hudson played, but um, yeah, yeah, it Damon would. Wayne, it would. Damon oh, Wayne like Jr. That. Yeah,
1: it's cool. That's cool.
0: So, so that is everybody's choice for trading places. <laughs> Okay, so one of the features we also have uh, on The Great Movie Show is the six degrees of separation type um, link. It's uh, an opportunity to move from the previous film that we reviewed. So on this occasion, it's Jaws. And we're moving through actors that are synonymous with Jaws and another film and trying to link from Jaws in approximately six films or any particular theme we think is useful, funny, important, or otherwise, to the film that we're currently reviewing, which is Ghostbusters. Um, if I can maybe ask Lloyd to start, what is your six degrees of Kevin Bacon for this
2: So I had no theme, um, but my intention this week was to watch Blue Thunder. But I couldn't find it on any of my providers for free. It's like Dave's problem every time we choose a movie because he, yeah. he doesn't. If he doesn't own it on Blu-ray, he can't like watch it anywhere for free. So I couldn't watch it for free anywhere. So I watched a few trailers on um, on YouTube of Blue Thunder, and I noticed a very young Daniel Stern in Blue Thunder. Right? Okay. So we've got Roy Scheider from Jaws to Blue Thunder with Daniel Stern. Then I thought, right, I've got. I've lost my link. I've lost my theme in the first movie, but then I'll go to like <laughs> movies of my childhood because I've never seen seen Blue Thunder. So I thought I've obviously seen Home Alone. So Daniel Stern, yeah. Home Alone. So that was my next link. So I was thinking about that. Then I was thinking so comedy, all in that sort of they move in the same circles. So I was like, John Candy is in Home yeah. Alone. Obviously, I forget the name of the band. He, he's playing the um, tuba or something, isn't he? Isn't yeah, he? yeah. But I'm he's also that. in
0: he's also in Unc- Uncle Book with Macaulay Culkin. So yeah. He's
2: also in Home yeah. Loan with Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> I just made a second, what's
0: it, what's a second point, link. What's your point, Adam? <laughs> You've got you a lot of
2: hair up your nose. Do remember our hits? Remember thanks our hits. Thanks polka, for noticing. polka, kid, polka, polka, polka. He's in a polka band, isn't he? Um, <laughs> Do that again. Oh, polka, polka, polka. <laughs> and what was the other one? Oh, you don't remember our other hit? It was like polka blues or something. Um, <laughs> was it, anyway, he's in Home Alone with John Candy. Then I was thinking, right, I've got like a straight link to Ghostbusters now. And it was like another like film of our childhood. So it's The Great Outdoors, John Candy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Dan um Dan Aykroyd with um what's the bear called? It was a bear, I think the bears even got a name. It was like Billy the Bear or something. It was a bear they used in all the movies at the time. What's it called, Dave? No, oh, I haven't seen that movie. So I'm <laughs> right. what did
1: you put your hand up for? Why would you put your hand
2: up? That would be funny. So there's a bear um, in that, and that was basically – I think it might have played Gentle Ben at some point or with uh, Ron Howard's brother or something like that. But anyway, the bear was a famous bear as well. But anyway, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd in The Great Outdoors, moved from our childhood. Dan Aykroyd, obviously, in Ghostbusters, which is the film we are talking about this evening. I like it.
0: Dave, Dave, what is your six degrees? I know you were trying to complicate things, and then you decided to relent – um, and do something a little different. What, which way have you gone?
1: Yeah, I always start off with these fantastic notions of having a theme or something, but it generally falls apart fairly Dave quickly. Dave's done Quentin
2: Tarantino movies again tonight. <laughs> and then every week, I'm just going to do seconds, Quentin Tarantino. Can't do it. Can't yeah. do every, it. Week,
1: every week, it's the hateful eight, hate. yeah. Um, no, so, I mean, I thought, for me, this, this was relatively clever, because, you know, by my standards. Um, okay. So... In Jaws, you mentioned that the, I think it's the Amity Coast Guard, um, the voiceover, so he doesn't physically appear in the movie, but the voiceover of the Amity Coast Guard is actually Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah. Steven Spielberg uh, uh, appears in a cameo role in the Blues Brothers, which also stars Dan Aykroyd in this week's movie, Ghostbusters.
0: (laughs) I like it. I like it. I'm go. quite impressed. Although I do feel like both of you have gone for the very short version of this particular mm-hmm. segment, so I'm really glad yeah, that I'm doing yeah. a lengthy version. <laughs> so we do know, don't we, that the quickest link between them is the classic comedy, What About Bob?
1: I know it because I Googled it. Yeah, Bill but... Murray, yeah. Is it? Is that a good movie? I've never heard of it before.
0: It's, it's all right. It's a Bill Murray movie, so it's always... Yeah pretty impressive but yeah him yeah. as him and Richard Dreyfus um are um good links um but that's not what I was going for um yeah. you'll be unsurprised to know I've decided to try and make it as complicated as possible I am aware that whilst we're filming this we're only within a few days of the Oscars yeah so I was thinking of Oscar links and it's pretty tricky um, but I've gone for this. So I'll try not to look at any notes so you know that I genuinely have thought mm-hmm. about this. So Richard Dreyfus yeah, went After an Oscar. he Googled it for the whole week and like wrote extensive notes and remembered them. You know you know all of these films anyway. This isn't difficult. The I don't um, know who's won an Oscar
2: for like best you will do. chief You're- in a scene.
0: Okay, I would say that out of these, there might be two films that you don't realize somebody's won an Oscar for, but I reckon you will know the rest. So okay, cool. they aren't, they aren't, Goog- they're easily Googled, but you don't need to Google to get them. So the one that you might not know is Richard Dreyfus uh, was in The Goodbye Girl and he won an Oscar for that. He starred in Always, which was another Spielberg film yeah. that he starred in with Holly Hunter. And Holly yeah. Hunter won Best Actress Oscar in the Piano. Um, also in the piano, um, was a very young Anna Har- Palquin,
2: Har- you Har- and Har- she won
0: that. She won the best supporting actress as it was then, uh, Oscar. I think she was maybe 10 or 11 or something like that. I think she was the youngest, possibly the youngest actor ever to win it at that point. How do you know these She's, things? She, because I, I, I'm just a bit of a movie geek, so she, um, was in the less, um, Oscar worthy film. Uh, X-Men Days of Futures Past. Uh, It might have got a visual effects Oscar, but didn't get anything noteworthy. Um, She was in that uh, with Dave's uh, favourite, Jennifer Lawrence. And Jennifer Lawrence won an Oscar for Silver Linings Playbook. Jennifer Lawrence was in Red Sparrow with Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons won an Oscar for Reversal of Fortune some time ago. That might be one that you wouldn't know naturally.
1: Are you counting the number of moves here, Lloyd? Have we got an infringement? No, so um, just... he,
0: was, he was in uh, The Man in the Iron Mask, which also starred Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, sorry? Did
1: that win an Oscar or something?
0: No, but it's about the actors, the actors who've won Oscars. Leonardo oh, okay. DiCaprio. Leon, Leonardo, think of the theme. Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> um, won an Oscar quite recently for um, The Revenant. So he's an Oscar winner, but he also starred in Oscar winning The Aviator, which starred Oscar winner Kate Blanchett. She won an Oscar for her role in that movie, and Kate Blanchett was in Life Aquatic with Bill Murray, and this is the only thing that falls down in my list. Bill Murray was nominated for an Oscar for Lost in Translation and really should have won, but did not, and he's in. Ghostbusters. So my link from Jaws to Ghostbusters via Oscars almost made it. Unfortunately, no Oscar winning at all for Ghostbusters. So I fell at the last hurdle.
1: And that concludes 27 Degrees. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So this is one of our final segments. This is Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Um, for the previous three episodes, you've delved uh, a little into the lives and thought processes of all three of us as hosts. Uh, we consider it might perhaps be boring for us to set ourselves the same questions week after week after week. I understand that Dave in a moment will um, ask us a question that he is aware of that one of the viewers has posed for us. And the viewer. So
3: the viewer, the, viewer, I for the
0: single viewer, and um, so I'll hand it over to Dave. You ask the question, and then perhaps Lloyd, you can answer, then I'll answer, and then Dave can answer the same question.
1: Okay, so this week's question comes from Kalen Cool 91, who commented on the last episode, the Jaws episode, asking us, What is your favorite quote of all time from a movie or a show,
2: Lloyd? So my line is from one of my, well, probably my favourite movie, which may not make the show. Um, I don't think it's revered by um, the, the critic world of, of movies, although I, I love it to, to death, this movie. It's directed by Cameron Crowe. It's Vanilla Sky. Um, and as the plot is unravelling towards the end and the, uh, the viewer is getting a glimpse into what is actually happening, Tom Cruise meets his his beau, his, his love of the movie, on top of this rooftop. Um, we now know that it's not quite real. Uh, and he sort of just states to her, it's like he, he sees her on top of the roof. He knows what's going on. He knows she's not really there. He's loved her. And it's it's the love of his life. It's his soulmate, And he sort of says to well, her, look at us. Uh, I'm frozen and you're dead. And then he pauses for a second and he goes, and I love you, and it just—do uh, you know what? It's, it's choking me up now <laughs> saying that line. It's just—it's a beautiful moment. He's—you know—I won't spoil the movie, but he, yeah, she's long dead, and he's frozen, but he's seen her right there uh, and then. And he said, he says a You know, look at us now. I'm frozen, and you're dead, and I love you. And then she just comes back, and she goes in a, a lovely, like, sort of Catalonian accent. She goes. That's a problem, <laughs> And it's just—it's a lovely little moment. It's—it's it's my favorite. It's my absolute favorite. Although my other favorite is in um oh um Van Dam with his brother. He plays himself twice. Double impact. Like Double uh, impact. Uncle no, <laughs> it's <not Uncle> <laughs> no, it's, it's at the beginning. Like the, like, the splits. No yeah. problem. Because <laughs> of my big legs and my karate, I can do the splits. No problem. That is an awesome. There's a few line. of the lines from that film which are awesome. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> That's a surprise. huge surprise. It's just great for quotes. That movie. So for comedy or like quotable quotes, it's that. But no, for my favourite quote ever, it's uh, it's it's that one. And there's lovely lines either side of that bit in Vanilla Sky. She's talking about we. She'll come back and we will be cats and that sort of thing. But it's, yes, yeah, it's like, lovely.
3: Both cats.
2: Yeah, and it's just it's just fantastic. It's like I, I lost you the moment I got into that car, and I'm sorry, like that. He's, but he knows she's not there. It's like what I say to you, Adam. Like never going for coffee, because cats. no matter what happens, it's not a good thread. Never a good thread. I am.
0: Um, I'm I quite yeah. I I quite like the the other one. You know the um. You got to taste the bitter, or well, the, yeah, and the so sweet Yeah, sweet and sour. sour. Sweet got to taste so sweet Frenchies. without the sour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a, that's a, a nice sort of like understated one. Maybe um, we can
2: do the movie on this on this show then, if you two are willing to do it. I yeah. don't know. Well, fun. I don't it's think like, you'd last. It sounds like you'd be crying your eyes out for an hour and a half. I would do. <laughs> I watched that scene; it just it just it breaks me down. And you've got the music Isaac. in the background. You've got the amazing – Cameron Crowe picks amazing songs for his films, amazing songs. And um uh, you've got uh, – it's just – it's crazy. Um You hear this lovely sound in the background.
0: Well, you guys might not be surprised too much to know what um my favourite quotable film lines um, are, because you know how much I like Aaron. I carried, a, I carried a watermelon – like you know how much I like. You, you'll know, especially Lloyd, how I, I I'm. A, a, you know, I really, really like The West Wing. I love Aaron yeah. Sorkin. Aaron
2: Sorkin is just—he's it's, it's, it's amazing.
0: I think he's sort of like the the you know an alternate version of David Mamet with all of his you know, um, Glen Garry, Glen Ross, Twelve Angry Men type plays. Aaron Sorkin tends to have a good. Way of running the, the the structure of any particular sequence by dialogue. Everything's run by dialogue. The walk and talk on on West Wing, you know, it's it's, it's famous and squeezing all of the dialogue quickly into particular scenes is something that I, I'm always particularly impressed with. So um, it's a Rob Reiner film, um, which um, Aaron Sorkin wrote. I think the screenplay as well as the story, but um, it's a few good men and uh, Jack Nicholson has so many quotes um in there that are are useful uh, and don't no, do you can't handle you know, the
2: truth impressive. One,
0: I, I have so um good one what one i like obviously is you know um uh you want answers i want answers you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth. And it's the oh, remainder yeah. of that, you know, you both you yes. you know you, yeah. you know, you need me, you want me on that wall, you need me on that wall. You know, all of that part of it is is actually the the more impressive part. Um I like the fact he says when they're they're wearing their whites, when they shouldn't be, they should be wearing their camo when they first meet him. Um over, I think, in um Guantanamo Bay. And he sort of says, But first you've got to ask me nicely. And it just sort of that cuts through everything um jeff Jeff goldblum yeah jeff goldblum it's my jeff goldblum impression again and he's got he's got so many lines in that that are really really good but actually i would say my favorite line from that movie comes from tom cruise when he's talking to demi moore and um she's sort of pushing his buttons really sort of saying you know i think you know where we're going to end up here you know you know we've got a case and he says you know you and sam both live in a Dream world. It doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what I can prove. So don't tell me what I know and don't know. I know the law. That to me was just that's the movie. That's all. All that it is. Yeah.
2: We know the it games. Is. We yeah, know absolutely. what we know. Yeah. We know.
0: Yeah, and 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 it moves straight from that act to the next act of the movie. So and that, that is and that my poor
2: guy. One of the soldiers gets a dis. All he wants to be is like honorably discharged or keep some sort of stakes in the army and he gets dishonorably discharged at the end. He's like, he's, he's, his his intellect isn't as high as other people's is. And he's like, what's happening? What's happening? What does that, what does that mean? What does that mean? That like, that really hits me every time I watch it, he's done something bad, but it was on orders. And he's like, I joined the army to follow orders. I've been given orders. Why am I getting dishonorably discharged? It's really, really sad that.
0: Yeah. So yeah, many quotable lines from that movie, but, um, yeah, that would be my probably my favourite line. There's many, many, many lines, but Dave, no Dave.
2: Okay, well, it's, it's, the the, it's, the hate, it's a
1: hateful eight, and uh, with, with my answer, I get to prove what a shallow idiot I actually am. <laughs> so you two, you, you, you two have given answers that, that were both, you know, quite meaningful, really, uh, quite quite weighty. Uh, whereas I'm just going to say that although I don't, I, I would never profess to have a favourite movie. Uh, one of my favourite movies uh, and the reason it is it's there were Ghostbusters for being one of the most quotable movies ever Are you so going to say, be... is
2: your favourite line Sam Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson
1: No Lloyd I'm, I'm not going to be that thought guy. It, I thought
2: he was going to go for Pulp Fiction I'm not going to do Ezekiel
1: twenty five seventeen from start <laughs> to finish I I think <laughs> that i a righteous man
0: I think that Dave was if he hasn't chosen it, I reckon he's he was really close to choosing a particular line from With nail."
1: So yeah, with nail's <laughs> a movie, and I'm not going to commit to a single a single line because there's so I many in that so. movie. Oh, it's it's yeah. just cheating you're all so good. Sorry, that's just cheating. We've gone on holiday by mistake.
0: <laughs> Say one. <laughs> are,
1: are you the farmer?:
0: <laughs> What about my wife? That one?
1: My wife <laughs> is having a baby If you hit me it's <laughs> yeah. murder.
0: That, that's that, yeah, look, I I say that's
3: my
1: just so <laughs> my many. Favorite. Obviously, I'm not. So I'm not going to differentiate the movies with now. Choose, choose, choose one. Um, I don't know if the person that submitted the uh, the question is old enough to watch it. So if not, I apologize. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, there's a couple of more recent movies that spring to mind uh, with regards to, to quotes. And again, it, it is funny. It's nothing. Unfortunately, it's nothing really meaningful. But there's one um, that always cracks me up and his, his delivery is amazing. His deadpan uh, it's, is... It's, it's get Kirsty in. No, no. <laughs> Wait, I'll... Two, okay, two. Can I have two more? Sorry. So, basically, anything that Korg says in Thor Ragnarok, and I'm sure Adam will do yeah. a, a wonderful impression.
0: Hey, man. Hey, man. It's just a of the rocks talking to you. <laughs> Nothing to be worried about. Except, of course, if you made of scissors.
3: <laughs>
1: okay, so Korg... But the one, the, the one, the one that cracks, and apparently ad-libbed it on set is um, Drax with the, um, you know, where is Gamora? <laughs> Why is <What>? Gamora? <laughs> no,
2: he says where, is, where, is, Gamora? where
1: is Gamora? What to say? Who's where is Gamora? Gamora?
2: Yeah, then where who is, is Gamora? Gamora? Who's Gamora? Why is Gamora? I'll do you one better. Why is yeah. Gamora? <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Battle, yeah. So there you go. Oh my! Um, my Guardians of the Galaxy two poster by Matt Ferguson signed artist proof is on its way now. Excellent. And I think it's got a layer of um, glow in the dark ink on it, so you can see basically little images from it when you turn off the lights. Like, in fact,
0: oh Lord, you got glow in the dark. Uh,
2: that's cool. He can't even make. It, he can't even make it onto the t-shirt. Give the guy a break. He wasn't in the <laughs> Columbia University Paranormal Studies Department.
0: What's the name of the um, game player who plays uh, against Korg on the Xbox? Uh,
2: New Master sixty nine. Is it? He, yeah. He's he's going to appear in um, God of Thunder. God of Yeah. Oh, what's it called? Love and Thunder. Thor. Love yeah, and Thunder.
0: He's, yeah. He's 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 a famous he's a famous character in the Marvel series, isn't he? Okay, so that is the end of our show. We've enjoyed uh, talking about Ghostbusters this week and all related uh, matters. Um, If you're listening to us on the podcast, please be aware that we have got a YouTube channel. We also appear on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you can please on YouTube like and subscribe. We've got a single troll, it seems at the moment, that is hell bent <laughs> on putting thumbs down at every opportunity. So There's if you a do troll like in it, the
2: dungeon. There's a troll put... in the
1: dungeon. <laughs> Don't feed the troll. Don't feed the troll.
0: So please, at any opportunity, if you like what you're watching, please just put the thumbs up. It would be really appreciated. Um, I've been Adam, your host for this evening. I also want to Rum. say thank you to Lloyd. Hello.
3: And Rum. thank you to we'll Dave. Friends.
0: That's a wrap.